<laughs> What's happening, weirdos? Uh, I want to give a mention to my new stand-up special on HBO, Dirty Clean, Pete Holmes, colon, Dirty Clean, which will be premiering on HBO on December 15th. Please check that out. Uh, it was wonderful to have weirdos in the audience. It's been wonderful to have weirdos in every audience as I've worked out this material. I'm very, very proud of it. I hope you like it. Please tune in. Uh, ratings do make a difference, <laughs> obviously. Um, go to HBO, HBO Go, HBO Now, uh, HBO Go Now, twelve fifteen, December 15th, Pete Holmes, Dirty Clean. Please check it out. Also, this is Emily Heller, amazing comedian, amazing writer, amazing performer and actress. And her uh, stand-up album, Pasta, is out now. And I sincerely endorse it. I listened to it with Val. We laughed our butts off. Check it out now. Part of it's on Spotify. All of it's on iTunes. The whole thing is hilarious. Check out Pasta now. Um, I have a Largo date. I haven't been doing much stand-up since the taping. But on December 12th, if you are in the Los Angeles area, I will be doing my monthly Living at Largo show. Uh... Go to largo-la.com for tickets. And uh, time for some Pete's Picks. I don't know if you guys know this. There's a new Pete's Pick that I'm very, very passionate about, very excited about. It's called Cachava. Cachava is a plant-based um, superfood shake. It's like a mix, nutrient-rich superfood shake mix. <laughs> it's, it's stupid to call it a mix. It's really like a meal in 30 seconds that's high in protein, 100% plant-based. It's got omega-3s from chia and flax. I don't know if you guys listened to the Dr. Joel Furman episode of this podcast. It's a favorite of mine where we talk about the health benefits of chia and flax. It has eight different super fruits. It has 17 greens and veggies. It's gluten-free. It's soy-free. But here's the best part. It tastes amazing. Every protein, veggie, plant-based that I've ever tried that's out there all claim to be delicious just being added to water, and honestly, none of them are. Cachava is the first one I found that got the mix just right. They put coconut, powdered coconut milk in the mix, so when you mix it with water, that becomes coconut milk. So it actually is chocolatey, rich, creamy, and delicious just in water. I can't tell you how amazing this is for me when I'm making a meal holding baby Leela or if I'm traveling, as I have been touring this special for the past months, if I need something that's healthy and fast and fills you up for hours, that's really, really good and gets you that nutrient-dense, plant-based, superfood, jungle-inspired high that I swear by, that I need, um, Cachava is the fastest and best solution that i found for that. It's got just enough coconut uh, nectar in it to be sweet. It's got digestive support built right into it has 1,000 milligrams of adaptogens, 24 grams of protein, 9 grams of fiber. And the best thing I can say is I love a lot of things like this. Val doesn't like any of them. I make it for Val and she loves it. In fact, I put a little uh, almond milk in it. I put a handful of frozen strawberries in it with the chocolate. It tastes like chocolate ice cream. You make it really thick, you put it in a bowl. It's like ice cream for dinner, but it's healthy. Or get chocolate and vanilla, put a scoop of each in your smoothie, tastes like an Oreo. It's amazing. It makes you feel amazing. It's got raw chocolate. It's got maca root in it. Wonderful for energy. Wonderful for your brain. It really is the meal in appeal. In appeal, the meal in appeal that I've been waiting for. And you can get twenty percent off your order. I literally found this. I loved it. I reached out to them. I said, "Can we get a promo code for the listeners?" They said, "Yes, twenty percent off." Go to kachava.com/weird. 
That's K-A-C-H-A-V-A dot com slash weird for protein-based superfood goodness in seconds and a nutrient overload that you'll love. The other uh, Pete's pick that obviously you guys know by now, Alpha Brain. I just did Fred Armisen, just did the podcast. 20 minutes before Fred got here, tossed in a couple Alpha Brain, kicks my brain into overdrive. Not in the way that coffee does. It's not like a stimulant. It doesn't make me edgy or jumpy or punchy. It just gives my brain earth-grown nutrients that it needs to think and function at its peak performance. It's clinically proven to help with uh, memory, concentration, focus, helps me with my communication skills, helps me with my recall, anything for the past three, four years that I've needed to use my brain for a podcast, writing a script, um, having a good conversation, anything that I've needed to learn, lines, learning lines, anything that I've needed to memorize. I've always taken Alpha Brain 15, 20 minutes beforehand. It makes a huge difference in my life. I always have it in all of my bags, all of my luggage, all of my pockets of all of my jackets. That's how much I swear by it. Also, on it makes other products that I've learned to uh, swear by that I love. They make MCT oil for all those people that are into the uh, keto diet. They also make a product called New Mood, which I like very, very much. I've been so stressed working pretty hard, actually very hard, and I started taking New Mood to help my brain regrow some of those helpful hormones uh, that it needs to regulate stress. So I try. I love New Mood. That's a new thing. Here's what you do. If you want to try any Onnit products, go to onnit.com slash weird and you will get 10% off your order. Finally, the original Pete's Pick, my longest standing Pete's Pick, my first Pete's Pick, Charlotte's Web Hemp Oil. This is my other go-to that I swear by. Uh, it is a hemp oil, which means it's made from the hemp plant, but they use science to remove the THC. They leave the body and brain beneficial CBD part of the plant in the oil. It's flavored with uh, natural flavors, mint and chocolate, tastes like a thin mint. You uh, take, I get the advanced, everyday advanced. It's very strong. It's a little bit more expensive, but you can literally just take a couple drops. The way that I describe it to people is it just gives you a healthy, happy glow, a little bit faster to laugh, a little bit faster to smile. Your shoulders might relax. In fact, they make some really nice balms and massage oils that can you can actually rub into sore muscles that have the same effect on your on your muscles and your tightness in your external body. It's also wonderful for your brain, for your mood. It's good for anxiety. It's good for mood elevation. It's good for sleep. I love it. It's a little bit hard to describe, which is why I always encourage people to just try it, even if you're a little bit curious. Go to cwhemp.com slash weird. Use promo code KEEPITCRISPY. I highly recommend the hemp balm that feels amazing on muscles, and I recommend the Everyday Advanced Mint Chocolate Flavor for all of the things that I mentioned. We have a flight tomorrow. I always take it on flights. It helps me just cool and relax and just kind of yield to the situation, which is what I'm always trying to do. So those are it. I have an, If you're looking for somebody that's a huge fan of this podcast, get them a bunch of Pete's Picks. That's my, that's my idea. It's a fun way to try these products that I really do take every single day. I really do endorse and swear by. These are companies that I reached out to because I love these products. Um, and uh, you can give them a little Pete's Pick, Christmas or Hanukkah, or uh, whatever you might be celebrating this holiday season. Try some Kachava. It'll blow your mind. Try some Charlotte's Web. Try some Alpha Brain. Get into it. Enjoy Emily Heller. Listen to Pasta. And please, please, please tune in to Dirty Clean, my new stand-up special on December 15th on HBO. 
And maybe I'll even see you on December 12th in Los Angeles at Largo for my next stand-up gig. Okay, guys, that's it. Enjoy Emily Heller. Get into it. I know, so many... Ep- well, I, you know, it hasn't happened, actually. My ego's very displeased. We, very few episodes have started with discussion of my son. <laughs> <laughs> Do really, people well, just not actually comment on it? Typically not. What does that say? I don't know. Are they like rich people who have their own saunas? If, you know, that, if no, that was the case, funny. they would be like, oh, it looks like mine. <laughs> <laughs> no, rich people with saunas can't wait to see other rich people with saunas. Yeah. Be like, oh my God, brother. <laughs> or just compare. The only other person I know, this is not that expensive. I mean, it's certainly a luxury item. No one needs a sauna. <laughs> Although it is, here, do that so I can see you. I'm sorry. Um, it is. Like health, like some people have them for like health reasons. Yeah, like sick, ill people or athletes. I assume. Yep. Yeah, what am I doing with it? Yeah. I'm healthy and I am not <laughs> working out ever, ever, ever. But Mark Duplass has one. We bonded hard over our saunas. Really? But you can get this sauna. I could get this sauna as a TV writer. Yeah, I know oh, what yeah. you make. <laughs> oh yeah. You could get this sauna for less than you make in one week. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I mean, I just bought a house, so I don't have any money anymore. Rich people talk. Yeah. Talking about ownership. (laughs) Owning a house is crazy. You almost have to keep it to yourself. I I don't mean that you should. I mean, like, I I think... It is a weird... Especially in LA, it just... Yeah. It's crazy. Which is uh, crazy. Yeah. But I don't think that you should not talk about how much money you make. Tell me why. You know, it's a little bit... Ali Wong, recently I saw her and she was talking about being a millionaire on stage. Uh-huh. And I was just so impressed. Like, it was so fun. Yeah. But it's different. Like, if Jesselnick talked about being a millionaire, it's, for some that reason, would be it's in different. character. I, you're right. I picked yeah. the wrong guy. I, <laughs> for some reason, I guess you're just rooting for Ali in a different way. Maybe it's a gender thing. Like, you're like, fuck yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? As opposed to just like another showbiz white male jerk. Does I think that make it's sense? like, I think it's. More obnoxious for people to pretend like they're not rich if they are. Well, this is a good conversation. (laughs) This is a good conversation. Everyone does that. Yeah. I mean, Seinfeld, and whenever you're watching a comedian, they're all pretending. They're pretending to be a normal person still. Right. Right. And then we don't like it when they don't. Like Aziz, like uh, not to pinpoint Aziz, but like Aziz has a lot of bits about meeting celebrities, and I've heard him catch some shit for that. Yeah. So like you can't, you kind of have to be like, what are the things that I do that are still normal? You can't you win. You can't win. Don't try. <laughs> don't try. You can sort of win. Ray yeah. Romano is worth more than a million saunas. Yeah. And when you see him, he's just like, you know, and, and the ticket taker ripped it, but he didn't rip it all the way. So yeah. now I look like I'm a hopper or <laughs> whatever. You know what I mean? Like, Ray, you yeah. have your own theater. But still, like, Ray Romano didn't always win. There was a period of time when everyone was like, I hate that there guy. There was a good period where everyone hated Ray. Yeah. And then he but, he weathered that storm and came out the other side. And now he pretends. Like, I think, you know, you and I came up through New York. So much of our L.A. lives is pretending to be who we used to be in New York. Does that yeah. make sense? Do yeah. you relate to that? Yeah. I'm trying to stop doing that. Tell me everything. Bit. So that's what you mean. You want to talk about having a little bit of scratch? Well, yeah. I mean, I don't really talk about it on stage that much, but off stage, I'm not going to pretend like I didn't just buy a house. I also, I mean, Maria Bamford really inspired me to talk about this stuff more. Cause she's very much like you should be super transparent about the money that you're making so that other comedians can talk. We can talk about what we're making and you won't get ripped off. 
Oh, I see. You know what I mean? But that's very... It's different than like being like, I'm a TV writer, I bought a house. Right. You're yeah. saying as a stand-up. Yeah. 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 As a stand-up. But as a TV I'm... writer, it's a very different... I ran into Morgan writes, Murphy yeah. on a lot that we were both writing on <laughs> once, and I was parking in my spot, and she was like, you have a spot? Like, <laughs> very... <laughs> and we were the same position. Uh-huh. It was weird that I had a spot, but we were a smaller staff, so we all got spots. She was on a bigger staff. They didn't all get spots. Oh, so she yeah. That's like conflict. a weird thing where you're like, some people have to walk onto the lot through the gate. That's right. Status stuff. Yeah. LA stuff. So LA I understand stuff. transparency with stand-up that you yeah. want to be like, I got this at this club, so you should know that you... But like the nuances of like credits or draw, yeah. you know what I mean? Like the ingredients are crazy. Like, they are, Do you yeah. have a podcast or do yeah. you... Uh, <laughs> are you on a TV show that people recognize? It's not just as simple... Like who would be your equal? Like who who could you have complete transparency? I am peerless. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like Maria Bamford and you can't have transparency. Maria would be like, you know, when you, they give you fifty thousand dollars and you're like, excuse me. But Maria would talk about it. She would be like, here's what happened when I like made this much money and got out of debt, and here's what it took. You know, like she talks about that stuff so openly. Right. I think is to that inspire useful, people. Though? To- I think it is. I mean, I think... I, I like it. Don't yeah. get me wrong. I love it. But I, if you're pre-TV Emily and she's just like, yeah, you know, you get a few Netflix specials and now your draw is this or that or this or that. I think it's helpful to share information in general. Truth is good. Yeah. Because I also think like when I first started staffing on shows, I didn't have any money. I mean, I had like a better position than a lot of people who don't have money because I had like a safety net. I didn't have student loans and things like that. Where did that safety but net come from? from just your, from like generational wealth. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Family money. Yeah. Like my, I, when I moved to New York, my sister had a two bedroom apartment. So if I ever like went broke and couldn't have a place to live, I knew I had a place I yeah. could go. Yeah. Um, and if I ever couldn't make rent, I could ask her. Isn't that funny. I yeah. think that is an important piece of the conversation. Yeah. That is missing, and it is. But that's the thing is like privilege. I think sure. it's I think it's valuable for me to like be open about that, so that when people are like, "Oh yeah, I guess I'm gonna like move to New York and like really go for it," it's like, well, here's here's what you should know about all of the all of the safety nets that I had when I started doing right. that, because like I don't want to pretend like I'm completely self made. You know, it's funny because of crashing the TV show I do. Uh, people come up to me sometimes and they're like, I moved to New York and I'm homeless. It's like, it's just like the show. And I'm like, ah! <laughs> oh, like don't do That's that. Terrifying. Don't do that. Like, <laughs> That's not a comedy anymore. <laughs> no, it, it moved to A&E like that. Yeah. Like real serious. And A&E has comedies. You know what I mean? <laughs> do they? I don't know if they do. Then it was a good riff. Yeah. Riff um, But you're absolutely right. Janine Garofalo has a great joke about that. Maybe you've heard it where she goes, People always say, I moved to New York, I moved to L.A. with 50 bucks in my pocket. What they don't tell you is they also had a credit card that billed to their parents. Yeah. And that's... Yeah. I had a credit card that billed to my parents when I first got married and moved to Chicago and held on to it longer than I ought to have because that's that's generational yeah. wealth. That's... Yeah. And my parents, you know... Knowing that you could use it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Knowing that I had had some kind of backup plan made it possible for me to move to new york right and but when i moved to la i moved here because i got staffed on a show and at that point i like i didn't have any money i owed money but like it was still like not that much um but when that happened 
I just told everyone what I was going to be making at my new job because all my friends were completely broke and I didn't want them to like insist on splitting the check at lunch. It's very tricky, Emily. It's very tricky. <laughs> and there are people that are uncomfortable. I use your name. Emily, I don't know. I've, mm, I've had that I, bite me in the butt, man. In fact, there's there's times yes. where you pay for dinner and people are mad at you, even though yeah. I, I'm a big fan of the joke. Like when I, when I take my uh, non-showbiz friends out to dinner, I like to pay... And I and and if they resist, my go-to joke is like I'm in show business. Yeah, <laughs> which is just a joke for like I'm overpaid or whatever. I'm overpaid. I just which say I'm some, overpaid. I'm there. You go. Maybe yeah. that's. I say I'm overpaid. Uh, yeah, but you're overpaid because the bursts that we work in only last for how how long can they last? You know? Right. That's some, true. I should I probably be a little bit more you. careful and not <laughs> not split the check Am all I the Suze time. Orman? <laughs> is it Susie or Suze? I think it's Susie. Oh fuck my face. Yeah. Susie. It's spelled Suze. I know. And if it's spelled, I say seen bean. Mm-hmm. You know, if they put a scene that close to a bean, <laughs> you're seen that bean. That really isn't fair. No. Yeah. His parents were you can't name someone a riddle. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually Sean. It's th- then it's Sean Bon. It's Sean Bon. You can't but even that. It's still not Sean Bjorn. Sean Bjorn. There's not a good. There's not a good. And baby Sean Bjorn and a baby Bjorn. A, the B isn't as versatile of a letter as, as the S. S. Yeah. The S is what throws so many, uh, you know, people in China. Should have just English. used a different letter. Oh, our language is fucked. Our language. Our language is it so makes stupid. No sense. Yeah, it makes no sense. You ever go back and remove an S because the te- the tense of a verb changed, and you're like, how do people? learn this. how do people learn you know this? what i mean you're like oh well the s changed I, so now the verb has to change like what that's the thing too when people are like this is america learn english i'm like english is one of the hardest it's least a sensical languages you yes. could ever possibly learn i know if anyone learns english as a second language i think they're a genius <laughs> <laughs> i wonder if the other languages are a little bit more fluid like easier more spanish logical. is a little bit easier i think well we don't have the whole System of like, um, I'm trying to think of how Spanish is, is easier because I think you're right. I think it's like a little bit more phonetic. Yeah. Um, the way things are written, there aren't as many sort of tricks of right. like, you know. I think I know what you're saying. Yeah, it's hard I'm to not articulate. It's I'm it's See, again we're speaking because English. the English language. <laughs> if I were speaking Spanish right now, whew, I would be nailing it. We would be smoking a cigar under a fig tree right now. If we <laughs> that's, just, that's like a Spain joke more than anything. I was like, is that a thing that they do in Spain? Just I wanted to be clear that was their... like a Spain <laughs> stereotype that would be leisured. Would be drinking red wine and like have open linen shirts. <laughs> do you ever listen to? I mean, do you I ever don't listen know to yourself? <laughs> do you ever? You fucking idiot! Uh, I've been, do you ever listen to yourself? <laughs> I have been listening to the Duolingo podcast because I'm trying to like relearn Spanish because I took what it is, for like. What is the Duolingo? So, um, Duolingo is that app on your phone. I mean, not on your phone, but on people's phones. <laughs> I that, look on my uh, phone. <laughs> <laughs> How did you do that? It's just been there the whole time. <laughs> I am Justin Wilman. Um, oh my god! Uh, no, the it, worst magic <laughs> trick ever. I just installed Duolingo I on everyone's phone. I just put that YouTube album back on your phone. Oh, people were mad <laughs> people about were that. People were very mad about that. Now I don't think we'd care as much. Yeah. We've to, got bigger problems. <laughs> we've got bigger problems, but we also have like bigger breaches in like Alexa in is listening. Yeah. Like when I don't want to change the subject because <laughs> you remember Duolingo. Yes, yeah. Just the idea that on this podcast years ago, I brought up the preposterous notion that I think I saw on like it wasn't Shark Tank, but it was like a Shark Tank type show where they were Dragon's pitching. Den. It was Dragon's Den. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they call it in England. 
<laughs> the dragon's den for five pounds. <laughs> so anyway, that was a terrible riff about England. <laughs> I just thought of their money. But it was a uh, watch that um, records all the time okay. so that if something funny happens, you hit save. So like if you and I are talking They said lunch, it was for funny things? I know. It would definitely be for like... I mean, I feel like for most people it would be... Um, blackmail for, for ideas or like oh that's how they would market it they yeah. were, were, were you interpreting it no as no that's no how you, they that's definitely how they pitched were... it as like have you ever been with your friends and something happens and it's so funny and you want to oh, remember God. it forever so you hit save but every investor on dragon's den was like no one will wear a watch that's recording all the time and yeah. now i think they would yeah maybe, maybe. We're not quite Here's there. the thing. If they're using it for that intended purpose to be like, that was so funny, they are going to stop using it the first time they listen back later and are like, oh, that wasn't that funny. No, life, it turns yeah. out, it's better curated. Yeah, had to be there, it yeah. turns out. Even with the audio. <laughs> yeah. You had to be there. Yeah. You're just going to listen to a drunk. Even though I was there. It's like listening to a CD of someone's karaoke. It's always terrible. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or like watching a sex tape of yourself. <laughs> It's like, oh, no, 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 thanks. I've never been bold enough. Don't do it. You've uh, done it? I couldn't. And you watched it? I watched one second of it, and I was like, I can't do this. Yes. Yeah, it was a really bad it's idea. it's you. Yeah. It's Ugh. a lot. Ugh. It's a lot. Isn't the main feature of porn that neither of them are you? <laughs> neither of them are you. <laughs> Someone else is doing it. Yeah. Um, so Duolingo. So I've been listening to this. This is so not interesting enough to come back to but i've been listening to the duolingo podcast which is for like intermediate spanish speakers so what they do is they have like a narrator who's speaking english and then they're interviewing people about their stories and those people are speaking spanish so with context clues you can kind of figure out words you don't know and it like refreshes it gives you practice sort of listening but it's also really interesting stories but they did one recently i think it was it wasn't Argentina. It was like someone from some South American country where they were like, just a heads up, the accent there for the Spanish language means they pronounce double L sounds as a shh. So it's like me shama. No. And I was like, I've never heard that before. And it is so hard to adjust that to. That sounds like a lie. That's, that is one thing that makes Spanish a little confusing is because it's they've colonized so many places that there are so many different well, accents. Well, the vosotros. Everyone, we all yeah. learned the vosotros and we all knew we'd never use it. Yeah. They yeah. like, and vice. And the ah. whole like Barcelona, that whole, that changes the, you know. I know. It's hard to commit to a Barcelona. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. I think even if I went to Spain, I would do... Uh, like a Mexican accent, probably. Well, it wouldn't be a Mexican. I, that is extremely flattering to myself that I think I could pull that. I just wouldn't do the... You wouldn't go for it. I don't think so. But I also probably would chicken out of even trying to speak Spanish. I always chicken out. Well, when is it? It's kind of like money, like what yeah. we were talking about. Like, when is it an insult to like do yeah. that or talk about that? I don't know what how it ties back to money, but there's something socially faux pas Well, If you speak to someone in Spanish... I'm always worried there's that there's an they implication think that you think that they, they don't, don't speak, speak English. English. That's yeah. what I mean. Yeah. I try to be like, if I, because I know a few people who speak Spanish as their first language, like my next door neighbor, and like I have said, like, I'm trying to practice my Spanish. Oh. Yo soy. Uh, practicar. Necesito practicar mi español. Puedo yeah. uh, hablar en español contigo. contigo? You got it. <laughs> Did we? I mean, we could be totally wrong. And so I, I try to make it clear that it's not like... Condescension. Yeah. yeah. Is that, that's probably the word. <laughs> uh, but I want to, like, I, I want, I feel like it could come back to me. 
I quit Spanish when I was in high school because one day I didn't do the homework. And I was like, I'm going to drop this and take another history class. Because that's, you couldn't face the music of not... I just... I wasn't scared. I was just like, ah, fuck it. Really? <laughs> yeah. Or do you think you wanted to quit anyway and you use that as an excuse? I mean... Or are you that, are you that kind of person that's like, fuck it? I think I just was like... Yeah, I guess the fact that I didn't do the homework means I don't want to do this. Oh, you followed it. You played it through. Yeah. I don't know how much I... doesn't end well. I didn't like that Spanish teacher also. And I was just like, I guess I don't have to... It was the first time I thought, like, I guess I don't have to keep taking this. Yeah, that was me with physics. Really? They were like, you know, you don't have to take physics. And I was like, okay, bye. Bye. Yeah. Why would I do that? And they were like, you're going to regret it. Yeah. I have never... Ever regret <laughs> when I was in, yeah, ever, never, ever. When and I, I dropped from honor Spanish to level one, which you know, I don't know. <laughs> you dropped from honors to level one, yeah. Ours was level two, level one honors, like that's and how so it went. you went down two levels. No, 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 oh, I went okay. to level down oh. one level. Oh, okay. And people were like, You're gonna regret it. And I've never, I've never regretted yeah, anything, I've never regretted any of those things. <laughs> I wish I could have dropped out. Like, sometimes I think about that, it's just like school is just. I, not to be too like well, we're smoking pot with a lava lamp. But it's just a thing. It's just a thing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, we it's think easy it's to so say that we, now. It's easy to say that now that you and I both have jobs where if we suddenly found out we didn't actually graduate, nothing would change about our lives. Well, that, I wonder how many. Yeah. Do you think most people? I think really there are matters? jobs. I think there are jobs where it matters that you have a degree. Somebody not in comedy was like, "It's all what you can do." Like nobody yeah. cares about your degree as much as they care. That you can do something. Yeah. But how do you prove that you can do it? I guess I only think about this in terms of every time I wake up from one of those dreams where I find out I missed a credit and I have to go back to school, I have to wake up and remind myself that I won't lose my job, if, even if that's true. I had one of those dreams last night, which is why it's I on my mind. all the time. Why is that the dream? I don't know. I think school is just the first system. It's the yeah. first like sort of, I know it's great, but it can. it's like this unnatural imposition. On yeah. everyone, everyone gets the same blanket thrown on them. Like yeah. some people would be better off like learning with like a learned older person walking the beach and he's just like, and that's what a star is. And you skip a stone and some people would do better like with homeroom. Like they want to yeah. be social. They want to play sports. Yeah. I, I mean, as an adult now, it's crazy to think about how many of the things we did as kids seemed like they were for us but really they were so our parents could do stuff with us out of the house it's babysitting yeah it's a, a lot, lot of, of babysitting. babysitting yeah i just wrote down money right. money <laughs> were you worried about what i wrote down no i was just, I just curious kind of want, I, i'm curious about how you got your first writing job because that's always something that seems very elusive to people yeah people ask me for advice on that all the time and it's like my my path is useless to them. That's what I always say. Yeah. It sucks. Like, well, how he, frustrating for everyone. Yeah. I have nothing to tell you. I I mean, I'm like I can I can hook you up with someone who could tell you, but uh But what happened with you? So, I was living in New York. I was like just starting to like stop having non-comedy day jobs and I had signed with a manager. How did you do that? Sorry to slow well, you down. Um, it's very interesting. Yeah. You're doing stand-up in New York. I was doing stand-up in New York. I had like... What was the first break that got you out of a day job? Well, I started doing warm-up for Kamau's old show. Oh, for really? Totally Biased. Yeah, oh, wow. which was just once a week. But I like lived in a pretty cheap apartment and it, you know, it paid me like, I don't know, like 400 bucks a week. Yeah. And I was like, that cobbled together with some occasional college gigs was right. enough to be like... 
That's what I best week maybe, ever was for me. Yeah, yeah, I can maybe stop temping. Yep. And um, I it's a big four hundred. It's a big yeah. A big I ate a lot of you know falafel and and dollar slices. Yeah. Um, and then also just went into debt a bit. <laughs> um, but I my manager told me I should write a pilot, and I didn't totally understand why. I wasn't like focused on getting a TV writing People job. People didn't say when they watched your stand up. Because when I listen to your stand up, I think that you're writerly. Because you know <laughs> I'm not a good performer. No, I actually don't think that at all. I think no, you're a yeah. wonderful performer. Yeah. And I think you're very natural. There's some people like. Um, but yeah, I'm less... not like. I'm not all personality. I'm very idea forward, I think. Yeah, but a lot of stand up is that way. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. I mean, I don't mean that as a knock. I like, I Dan am a writer. Lentz. Morgan Murphy, these are people that I go like, oh, you're going to write, even though yeah. they both perform as well. That, uh, BJ Novak, those are guys that I'm like, these are great. And all three of those people are great performers. Yeah. But when I watched their stand-up, I was more like, these probably will be writing people. Yeah. And when I listen to your stand-up, it, it, it doesn't necessarily lean that way. So yeah. I can understand that you were confused, that you were like, why does... But you had a manager. I had a manager, and she encouraged Same me. manager to this day? Yes. I'm still Yikes. with her. <laughs> She's great. Um, and she encouraged me to write a pilot. And then I didn't, when I finished it, I didn't know that they were going to immediately start submitting it. But the first writing job I got was um, mostly because a friend of mine who was a stand up in New York went to high school with the guy who created it. And that guy asked him to recommend some female comics to him yeah. to write on the show. And I like, just finished a sample had yep. just done conan they sent both of those things and on the strength of that recommendation and those things i got the meeting and i was very much and i like did not do the meeting right i was like i don't know if i want to be a tv writer <laughs> like i don't know if i'll be good at it i don't know if i'll like it you said that in the meeting yeah and like i have said that in other meetings and then did not get the job because of that um yeah, sure. like that same staffing season <laughs> but they were very much they were very cool they were just like hey we'll teach you how to do it like we can that's a thing we can teach you we can't teach you how to be funny you're funny already but like we can teach you how to be a tv writer and you can see if you like it that's, which is like that's, so generous. That's very generous. They were really. I got so lucky with my first showrunners, just in terms of like. What was the show called? Um, it was called Surviving Jack. It was a, a family sitcom set in the '90s, starring Christopher Maloney. It lasted for eight episodes. Did not survive. Did not survive. Yeah. Uh, who are you, Nikki Fink? Uh, <laughs> I don't know who that is, but thank you. I think she, I think she writes for Deadline. Um, uh, that, I'm sure that was one of the headlines when it got canceled. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was like a very good experience, and they were like a few weeks. You know, like I had been there. They were very good about like giving me feedback while I was like. So you basically got job. like a paid internship. <laughs> kind of, yeah. <laughs> but you know, everyone's first TV writing job is that. You yeah. just had somebody that was very transparent. Yeah, well, but that. some people have showrunners who like, show, so there are some showrunners who won't deal with like, won't tell you if you're doing something wrong in right. the room. Right. And they were kind enough to like both take me aside and be like, hey, when this happens, could you stop doing this? <laughs> what was that? I got in trouble a lot too. Yeah. Like a lot. 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> for being too loud, mostly. like Dom and yeah. being a. It was being, for being exactly what I told them in the meeting, which I always used to say, "I'm a big dumb animal." Like yeah. I like jokes, but I'm a big dumb animal. I think they were just like when other writers are pitching an idea, like let them finish it before you say why it doesn't work. Like you're right. Oh, interesting. You're right about it not working, but just let them finish. I've, I've been in rooms with people like that. Yeah. And uh, they're, yeah, that's, that's something that needs to be corrected. Yeah. I'm glad they told me that. Yeah. But then they also. It makes sense though, but that is one of the things that a lot of early you're writers like, do. If you're to... doing that wrong, someone should tell you. Yeah. Yeah. But th- often it comes off that you're like asserting, first of all. You're trying to get like a flow going. I know you know why it's wrong. Yeah. And even if it is wrong, like sometimes a wrong idea or a bad idea can lead to a good idea if you follow it through. But if you have too much of that like thinking brain shutting yeah. things down, I know you know this. Yeah. That's yeah. why those people – and often it's the people that would do that in rooms that I was in were the people that I felt weren't doing anything else. I'm sure that wasn't the case with yeah. you. So they're the quieter people in the room that are like, at the very least, I'll tell everyone else why their ideas suck. Oh, yeah. And it's so much better to just let something play out. Let and it maybe play at out. the end of it, you have something great. Of course, I, this is still something I have to remind myself to this day and go like, don't just go, well, that doesn't work because we, we just said he's not going to Paris. You know, yeah. What if he did go to Paris? We just said we don't have the budget for Paris. Well, let's talk. Let's dream about it just for a second. And for me, I was kind of like, I think where that came from with me was like, I was so excited that I was understanding how things worked that if I saw a problem, I would be like, oh, yeah, that doesn't work because of blah, blah, blah. I can't believe I like figured that out. Right. You know, like I can see this clearly. Right. Like it was. But they were also really good about like they also took me aside and they were like, hey, just so you know, like you're good at this. And if you want this to be your job, it will be. Which I don't think a lot of people had that experience at their first job. experience that you had? It was really wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's kind of exactly what you want. Yeah. You, even like your first show not necessarily going too long is helpful. Like you just have this incubation yeah. period. Where it was not- like just long enough that I didn't get so burned out mm. and like that I was like, I hate this. I don't want to do this. It was like just long enough and just encouraging enough that it made me want to keep doing it. So you, the answer to how you got your first TV job is that you I wrote submitted a sample. through your manager. So I get, for but the, also yeah. I basically almost didn't because I got recommended by a friend. Oh, that we're looking for female comics. Yeah, but right. my manager's the one who like helped me write my pilot. She like encouraged me to do it, helped me hone in on the ideas, helped me. What did you like, write? Edit it. I mean, it like I wrote a pilot that was kind of based on my standup. It was an original. It was an original. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and that was one thing that she encouraged me to do. Was she was like. Base it on your stand-up. And that made it so much easier because it was like, I already know where the jokes are in this. Right. I'm just taking a story from my stand-up where I've already worked out the beats of it and putting it in the middle of this script and building the script around it. Kind How of. interesting. Yeah. And then what that does is that when you go into staffing meetings, it shows people like – Oh, I know how to take something that happened in me- real life and turn it into a story that's in a script, which is all they want you to do anyway. Right. And so that's like a good – like it's really good to have something real that happened to you in a script because when you're in the staffing meeting, you have a story to talk about. You have like – Right. I used it's, a it's couple real stories really from happened. my life. Yeah. And then they want to talk about it. And then they want to talk about it and then they remember who you are. Right. Yeah. And I have to imagine being a funny stand-up helped you – yeah. Because they knew that you could I had write. already worked the jokes out, too. Jokes. So it was like, yeah. But yeah, being a stand-up helps a lot, too. But yeah, that's how I got my first job. And then... You moved out for that. 
I moved out for that. I didn't think I was moving out. I like kept my apartment in New York. I sublet it to someone. I like put my stuff in storage. I like came out. I was like, I'm definitely not moving to LA. I'm definitely coming back to New York. This is just a short term thing. And then I was here for like a month. And then why I had, did you resist it? I don't know. I think I hadn't been in New York that long yet. And I didn't really know what it would be like to live in L.A. And I was still in that mindset of like doing sets every night. This is the life. This is all I want to do. <laughs> like I'm going to be a stand up forever and everything else is just a way to make that happen. Yeah. And then is that how you felt or is that a, a, an opinion that like me, I sort of inherited that imp- opinion or I'd pretend I felt that way. I do love stand up, yeah. but you always meet there's always to your left and to your right someone that's like way more committed. Way more committed than that. Or they seem way co- more committed. I can say now having done it almost 20 years that it's like my level of commitment was crazy appropriate. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like but I would be doing it in New York I would go up every night, but after a certain period I started looking at more like three or four times a week. Mm-hmm. And now in LA it might it might be once or twice a week. Like yeah. but that that's that's later down the line. I haven't been doing stand up for like months. See, that's what they're all afraid is gonna happen. Yeah. And that's probably what you were afraid was. I was happen. I am living my nightmare of <laughs> Yeah, at you, that period of my life. You hung it up. They bought you out. Yeah. I like I, I do I do think I genuinely felt that way about it at the time. I genuinely felt like it was I was so immersed in it. And like when I li- I started in San Francisco and I lived in San Francisco for 3 years and I worked at Rooftop Comedy. So oh, I yeah. was literally watching stand up all day and then doing stand up every night. And when I moved to New York, I was doing it multiple times a day and then you know, so when I came to L.A. to write for a TV show, I was like, well, I just don't know what this is going to be like. It seemed really daunting. I wasn't sure if I would like it. And I had this other thing that mattered so much to me. Right. And then I was here for like a month. I was having a great time at this job. And L.A. is really easy to live in. And then I, we had like a break after the first month, which is unusual. And I went back to New York. And it was the middle of July and it was disgusting. And I was like, this sucks. Why do people live here? What are we doing? What's wrong with all of us that we live here? Right. What do we all think we deserve? We we don't have to live like this. It like I immediately got over that whole like New York. Yeah. Right. right. New York is such a great place for like the romance of leaving your apartment and going to get some food, it becomes a story. Yeah. And it really fills up your emptiness, like with all this stuff. Yeah. But then after you sort of like feel full, it's uh, for me, I was like, I don't need to be here all the time. I don't know how else to put it. It's like living in the internet. Like everything, <laughs> everything's there and it's in full form and yeah. it's very overwhelming and it's great when you're young. And you know that feeling you get sometimes that I get sometimes when I visit like my older relatives and you're just sort of like, everyone's just sort of sitting around drinking weak tea and complaining. Uh-huh. Like New York is the antidote to that itch that you feel. Yeah. Where you're like, you're what like, the fuck are we doing? We all die one day. is happening. Yeah. We, Stuff is happening. We should go where things are happening. Yeah. And I'm not a very self-motivated person too. That's what's so me neither. That's why living what in a city was... that imposes it on you. It imposes it on you. Yeah. It made me, I was like in better shape because I had to walk everywhere. Yes. I was like getting stuff done it felt yes. like but uh but i i think it was hard for me to imagine like falling in love with something the way i fell in love with stand-up and then it happened with interesting tv writing it's funny i can I, like i wonder what story it is that we tell ourselves because when i got my first writing job 
I still was like, I'm going to keep doing stand up, but I yeah. was super, super excited about the I, what, everything that I had seen on like Larry Sanders or wherever. Just like, <laughs> I always wanted to be funny during the day. <laughs> like, I never, I, I still resent that I have to do, like, that talk you have about to Maria, do it at night. Yeah. That Maria kind of sets her own schedule and sometimes does like uh-huh. a seven o'clock show or whatever. Like, that's all I'm She's about. really good at thinking critically about what she wants her life to look like yeah. instead of trying to like follow the path of what people tell her she should want to do. I think that's I respect beautiful. it so much. I do too. If there, that's what having a talk show was for me was the dream of doing stand up at 1 p.m. Like, if, if there's oh, a great yeah. audience. And you can be done, and you can be like done. at a normal time. Like, why does it have to be the evening? I understand people are working. Yeah, but why can't we do the shows at three p.m. on Saturday? <laughs> They'll be bad, though. They'll be terrible. They're just bad. Like, They're it needs to be at the end of the day. It's, it's the same reason we don't start meals with dessert. I guess it's like it has to be yeah. this capping. Well, that's I think that like when you can be doing just stand up, you can kind of shift your own day so that you stay up later so that when you do go on stage, it's like it's your 5 p.m. I know. That's what I kind of did when I lived in New York was me too. Yeah. And you sleep super late. That was the only way. That's what I was trying to do. But as soon as I was writing for a TV show, because I'm a morning person, like I like the morning. You're like an early riser. Not really. But if I do, let's put it this way. It doesn't come naturally. But if I do. I'm always happier that I did it. Like up when the sun is yeah. coming up, that's when the the brain isn't as clouded with all the emails and obligations. And typically, I do this podcast. We did it too. This is late for me. Like really? a- after usually Pete do it is earlier. just a different guy. Yeah, <laughs> many times it's like morning Pete. That's optimistic Pete. It's happier Pete. Later, later in the day, just the the more you pay attention to the world, exactly, the, the... it gets a little overwhelming, and not even necessarily just what's in the news or what what have you. It's just like the weight of existence is heavier after like the the big meal of dinner. I can't be doing, <laughs> I can't be doing after that big meal. Well, give me that light thing. meal of breakfast. If you eat a big heavy meal for every meal, it gets easier <laughs> to sort of shift things around in your day. That's what I've found. Which is is that why your album? I've only listened to some of it. It's called Pasta. Uh, no, it's from a, it's, it's from like a, a it's title. from a, oh, thank you. I love it. Um, well, the title is from a metaphor about, um, about dating where, I mean, I'll just fucking give it away. I told the joke on Corden recently, so you can find it, but just the, the idea was like, people talk, like when you find someone, people say like you won the lottery and it's like, I didn't win the lottery. I ate at a restaurant that gave me food poisoning every day for years. And then one day I tried the pasta and it was fine. Uh, so it's, you finally found the one yeah, that where yeah. I'm like, this is, this is fine, but you paid for it it's fine, <laughs> yeah. and all the other sicknesses are sort of worth it now because you found the one dish. Yes. And I'm not going to go trying other things on the menu. I've been there and it wasn't fun. <laughs> the one it swinger that's yak. like, could I have the pasta and the Caesar salad? <laughs> but also it was a, uh, for one thing, I mostly named it that because I was like, Ooh, then I can have someone make a picture of my face out of pasta for the cover. Yeah, no, And also I, it's like a, a backhanded way of naming the album after my husband. Who's named Pasta? Well, no, because like in the joke, he's the pasta. Oh, uh, I didn't know you're married. Yeah. I'm out of the loop on It's okay. I, I kind of did it secretly. I did it pretty secretly. We I only recently like admitted it in public, in part because on the album, <laughs> I wasn't married when I recorded it. And uh-huh. I told a joke about not wanting to ever get married, which was mm-hmm. true when I told it. And then a couple weeks later, uh, we had to get him some health insurance. 
And we very suddenly... It sounded uh, like you said help insurance, oh, which yeah. is what it was. <laughs> it is You had help to give insur- him help insurance. Yeah. <laughs> so you aren't really crazy about marriage. I'm ambivalent about it. And he w- he didn't really want to do it. And I didn't care. And I think you kind of default to the person who feels stronger about it. Right. But I also was like, yeah, I didn't feel... I, I, I mean, there's things about it that I don't like, you know, like already, what? which is just that people sort of project onto you what they think your relationship is based on that that you're married yeah they're like 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 what's an assumption i mean i think that uh people expect you to do certain things together and like expect you to sort of merge your lives in a way like holidays or other things i mean we spend holidays together and stuff it just feels like other things it, it i feel like people expect you to be joined at the hip and he and i are both pretty independent people and because it, you're married now. Because we're married now. Oh, I see. Yeah. It seems like, oh, aren't you going to, you know, and I'm, I like can't even think of an actual example of something that's come up where people have been like, aren't you going to do this with your husband? Right. But, um, but, but I in do theory, think that, if you wanted to go on a vacation by with your girlfriends or something, yeah, it would be a little bit, it would weirder. be a little weird or yeah, people. And I have done that, you know, yeah, Val but, does that. Yeah. And you it, can still do that. it just feels like uh, <laughs> submitting to this like. You know, this idea of what your relationship is. And I like to sort of, again, think critically about every part of my life and be like, what do I actually, yeah, Yeah. what do I actually want it to look like? What do I want our partnership to be like? Right. How did you meet Pasta? (laughs) Uh, We met online. Ooh, online. Okay, Cupid. Okay. And before it was really even like, all apps it was like on the website yeah you had to log on that was probably better because you didn't have the alerts yeah telling you like 17 people viewed your profile during this okay date i mean yeah Yeah. i i did have like i would get emails that i would send to a secret folder in my gmail uh but uh, and we had you know like tinder (laughs) existed secret folder yeah which i still have what did you name it hidden it was just hidden. It was that was it. <laughs> you just had to click through a few things because it for does do that and show it. I got spared from internet dating, and but it does do that. It, it's constantly trying to tell you that there's someone else that was a good match for you. Yeah, or it would just be like you have a new message, you have a new, you know, just like Facebook. Yeah, but more overt, more like we're it's like single Facebook. <clears throat> Yeah, everybody... it's not actually as aggressive as Facebook about trying to make you log on because I was also I was like I was logging on. They didn't need to pester me about it. I Facebook, I don't log in anymore, and they're like, "What's going on? Are you are you alive? <laughs> you have eight hundred alerts." And then I look at them, and they're like, Nothing. "Someone you know posted something." And I was like, "That's not an alert. That's in the feed. Why are you? Right. You're just trying to give me dopamine by putting the little red thing oh in the corner. I hate it so much. I do too. Ugh. I do too. Um, but so you met on the queue. So we met on OKQ. Okay and it was one of those things where it was like i read his full profile and it was very much like oh this is like the actual thing that i have said out loud i'm looking for really yeah like, what does that mean just like what were you looking for i was looking for someone like him i was looking for someone who was like uh smart progressive interested in feminism liked comedy you know like i had a thing on my okay cupid profile when i was on there where you know like there's like that you should message me if and then you get to fill that in and i would say like your list of favorite books movies tv shows has at least one woman on it 
Interesting. Because so many guys just wouldn't have any women in the art that they consume. And I think that that's a bad sign. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. I'm, I'm probably guilty of that. And uh, Val, Val actually teases me that all the movies I like are about um, one male mm-hmm. trying to leave something or bra- achieve <laughs> over something. She made, yeah. she made a joke about it in um, our wedding vows, actually. She was like, I vow to watch... The town? I don't even watch the town that often. <laughs> she was like, I will watch the town. I don't even watch the town uh, that, that often. often. The fact that you've watched it more than once. But I, I'm totally with you. It's embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. But that's what this podcast is all about. <laughs> it's about leaving Boston. It's like psychologically uh, impactful to me. Uh-huh. To me, it's yeah. about like breaking away from what was handed to you and leaving. That's what that movie is to me. It's stupid. I can't, <laughs> I can't defend it any better than I did. You don't did. have to defend it. You but, just have to also watch things that women make. Yeah, the town was written by a woman. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> there's no there's no fucking way. But yeah, I think his profile, he had women in every category, books, really? music and yeah. He well, he has a master's degree in philosophy and he studied like trans feminist theory and stuff. Like oh, he's wow. read more feminist theory than I have. Really? Yeah. Um and it was one of those things where I think like he and I were both at that point where we were just kind of like honestly ready to kind of settle down and knew what we what were looking for studies feminine. um he's a researcher um and uh for a I, publishing house he does research now for um i feel like i shouldn't talk about him that much Isn't i feel he's fun? he's actually a very Ooh, private person he's much more private Details than um spill the beans <laughs> no you don't have to talk yeah, about him. uh but it's weird because I am like the most public person and I feel like I want to tell everyone everything about my life and I don't see any reason not to, little, but he's not like that. That's a little Bamfordy too, is that marrying somebody that isn't just another you. Yes. I have that benefit. I joked I was you very, were I also, in. I, in my, you should message me if it was like, you have no interest in becoming a stand-up comedian. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's nice. <laughs> yeah. As we were walking in, everybody that's been recording at the house... I made a joke to you. Nobody wants to leave where Val is. Uh-huh. Like it's, there's just this draw to Valerie. She's holding the baby, obviously. It's very sweet. The living room is kind of the nicest room in the house. But everybody is sort of like, this is where we should remain. You know I'm what? like, no, come back where we'll talk about open mics. You know what might help is if you're like, come to the back. I have a sauna I want to show there you. There you go. Yeah. The sauna. It's, we've got a lot. Solves yeah. everything. Yeah. But what I mean is I found someone also... So when I ask about what your husband does, it's more about the balance that you found in your life. Yeah. Having someone like Val who is talented, very, very funny, very creative, but is missing. And sometimes she laments that she's missing um, that compulsive thing. She doesn't Uh have the need to prove it to everybody. (laughs) You know what I mean? And like we, we got up on stage to prove it. What we believed in our hearts, what that we were funny people. Oh, no, I just mean you and I as stand ups. We have to go and prove it to as many people as we could. Yes. And that felt really right. Val, Val is just a calmer, more centered, grounded person. Yeah. And that's why, that's really the unpacking He really why. does not care what people think about him nearly as much as I do. Really? Yeah, which is nice. It's nice because it's like he, he has really strong like values and principles and they're like smart and well-reasoned and he's like not motivated by like... Like, he has very good hygiene, etiquette, things like that. He cares about making people comfortable right. and stuff, but he's not, he doesn't care about like proving anything to anyone or like appealing to someone if they don't have the same values as him or if they don't like, if they believe in some 
stupid thing that he doesn't believe in. He's not going to try and like, he doesn't care. Oh, wow. Yeah. Which is nice. It's like it, it, like when I would take, like he likes comedy and he is familiar with it. He understands it. Like he's a fan of comedy, but when I take him to like comedy parties with like, you know, people that he recognizes from shows that he and I watch together, I'll be like, Oh, do you want to meet so-and-so? And he'll be like, are they nice? Like he doesn't care. Right. He's not like, which is Should you know, I want to meet them as a, yeah, as a whereas person. Whereas I'm like, I want to meet them. <laughs> I definitely want to meet them. I don't care if they're a monster. Does he balance well? Cause, or I guess I'll ask, how does your weirdness as a comedian manifest? Are you like, do you get anxious or de- depressed? Like Val yeah. notices that I swing both ways. I yeah. don't think I'm necessarily manic depressive, but I'm certainly manic. And then I get low. Yeah. Like right now I'm actually quite low. I've been low for, which is okay. Which is okay. Yeah. <laughs> Good empathy face though. I was like, immediately, uh, I yeah. want you to feel okay. But so she notices that there's like just times where we go like, look, the, the clown with the light up nose will be back. Yeah. <laughs> but like right now we're riding it out and she just has to kind of live with a lower functioning person. He's very like, he wants to know I'm okay, but he's also so okay with silences that that's really nice because sometimes I will spend all day talking to people as part of my job and I'll come home and be like, I can't, I can't be a talking person right Right? now. Yeah. And you get a little tired of yourself. Yeah. (laughs) And sometimes I like to, I, I, I also kind of retreat into myself more than I probably should. Um, and I think that that's probably a side effect of how many years we've spent practicing only our side of a conversation. I know. Uh, Isn't that weird? It's weird. Did we talk about that before? Maybe somebody else said that. I don't know. It's a weird pursuit that you're like, I want to have a conversation, but it's just But it's just me talking. It's a weird way to be a person. (laughs) It is a weird way to be a person. Um, but yeah, I, I think we balance each other out pretty well. I don't yeah. think that there's any sort of... What's interesting is, like, I don't see... I don't see, it like, personality traits on, like, one line of, like, there's one person on this side and there's one person on another side. It's more like a... If I had to visualize it, it would be, like, a circle where, like, there's people standing all around the circle and... He's standing in one corner and there's a line between the two of us, but there could be someone else in a different direction that would balance me out in a completely different way. I see. You know, like he's very like I have had relationships with other people who balance me out in a totally different direction. And I think when I got together with him, I was like, this is more the direction that I want. I, you know, based on how it feels. Yeah. And just based on like how it went with other people. Like I had boyfriends in the past who were like very you know like charming and spontaneous and like outgoing and like uh really made me made me be more adventurous but also made me feel like shit about the fact that i like to plan things oh you know yeah and like made me feel like i wasn't being like fun enough or like and he doesn't do that to me. And even yeah. though I do think that those are like valuable things to be like uh, spontaneous and fun and things like that. And I'm, he's fun, but he's not like he's he likes that I plan things also. Right. And like he doesn't push me in different directions. I think every person that you and I think that I can still have those people in my life in different capacities. Do you feel like the not no judgment in Val and I's relationship? I certainly take the lead more. Uh-huh. And she she enjoys that. Her personality type merges well with that. Yeah. And I also notice when there are times when I don't feel like 
going to a party or talking more or whatever. Yeah. She merges. She's a merger. Uh-huh. We were talking about this on the Enneagram. She's a nine, which it, I don't even yeah. know. Yeah. Whatever In that case means. you yeah. knew what that was. Um, but the nines are – her brother's a nine as well. So mm-hmm. they merge with people. They they can see someone else's perspective mm-hmm. so well. It's almost as if it was theirs. So they're very easygoing. And that's very calming to me. Yeah. But then I noticed that like – I guess that's sort of what I was looking for is I'm sort of like a fiery person. Mm-hmm. She's sort of like a watery person. Yeah. She goes with the flow and I'm more like, I want to go do that unless I don't. And if yeah. I don't, I really don't. Yeah. <laughs> it's very extreme. That's what I mean. It's like – a little bit like manic depressive. It's either like, let's go and, and create a million new things and meet new people and engage, or let's stay in like a hermit hard yeah. for a long time. I'd like to find more balance. I'd like to burn out less. <laughs> yeah. I really would. I don't know how to how to make you do that. Yeah, no, yeah. I don't, I'm going to work on it. Yeah. I'm not giving up. <laughs> I, I'm, you know, I oh, think my he... dog. He's been away. Oh. Hi, Brody. Did, wait, where did your dog go? Well, we were in Santa Barbara. Oh, we, it wasn't like a homeward bound thing where you just let him leave the house and no, go wherever he wants. Not at all. Um, Hi, Brody. I love your dog so much. You know my dog? I've I've met your dog once, and I took the funniest picture I think I've ever taken of your dog. Oh, really? His tongue was sticking way out to the side, but he also he looks like a dog I had when I was a kid. Uh-huh. Yeah, he just looks like a dog. Yeah, he's like a like he's like a classic a dog, central casting dog. dog. He's a central casting yeah. dog. So then you got married. When did you get married? Um, I got married back in February. February. And I only posted about it on Instagram this week. <laughs> <laughs> and it was because he needed health insurance? Yeah. Um, was there any... Uh, this is not going to please me to like uncover yeah. some secret and I don't romantic want it to be like, that's yeah. like, I do want to be married. I was, mean... Was there any of that? Yeah, I think there was a little bit of that. It's fun. Because it was one of those it's things It's fun to have where, a party yeah. to celebrate your yeah. love or a ceremony or a declaration, even if it is just an Instagram post. It was one of those things where it was like, I I do think our relationship is just for us. I should probably stop talking about it so very much. Um, but it is like, yeah, there's... we When we were talking about it, it was... Well, it's kind of sweet. There it's was just a, for you guys. There was a conversation about like, okay, well, like, if this wasn't on the table, we wouldn't do it, right? And then there was a part of me where I was like, yeah, but if you got in a car accident tomorrow, you'd want to be. I would want to be able to come to the hospital. Yeah. And it sucks that marriage is the only way to make that happen. But right now it is. We live in a society that definitely favors that. That is a consideration. Yeah. Before Val and I got married, I went through a lot of, it took a lot of legal work to put her in my will. And I was like, uh, if she was just my wife, she was just your wife. You wouldn't have to do any of that. There's no debate. There's no like. I wanted yeah. to be very clear. We were living together, uh-huh. and you can't be like, so she can visit me in the hospital. But you can be like, she can have all my stuff if I die. And yeah. I'm a little bit morbid, so I would think yeah. about that. But like, it, once we got married, there is a comfort. It sucks though. Yeah. Why do I have to do this to get that? Like, we should just be able to say. I want that. And you yeah. can with a lot of legal fees. <laughs> yes. It just is much more complicated than with just... With meetings yeah. and boring shit. Exactly. But there's also something about, or I put this to you, I wonder, for me, there's something true that we can get lost in ourselves and sometimes we don't even know what's best. Uh, meaning, yeah. you can be with somebody and maybe you really do want to break up. But because you're married, you you don't right away. Uh-huh. And there, so getting your friends and everybody involved, I hate the word accountability, but you're you're saying to a group of people, 
we have something really special and mm-hmm. we love it and we actually want to include you in it in a social way. We didn't invite anyone. No, I we hear just that. Had family. But yeah, yeah, I hear no. That. And that's another so thing that too that if I wanted to leave Valerie, which I which I don't obviously, but mm-hmm. it's like if I did, there's but this don't you want to a little No, a I'm just kidding. <laughs> bit, but there's a ceremony and a, and a thing and our, and our friends yeah. being included in it are almost there as a safety to go remember yourself. Remember the you that loves Valerie and wants to be there because yeah. sometimes you want to quit things that are really great for you. Yeah. Does that make any sense? I just don't know if I if I I think I would still be able to think about it like that yeah. even without getting married. I think I would still weigh like cuz I do think that it's like it's, you know, a decision you make every day to like be with this person and to do the work of being in a relationship and right. to like show up. You know, you still have to show up even if you're you know, whether you're married or not. Right. Um, but I think mine is like, if, if if I ever wanted to leave Val, something's wrong with me. And <laughs> I need other people to be like, well, remember that. And I, yeah. it's good that there's like, it's not as easy as just like, and then I, when you break up with somebody, you're just like, and then I just hit the road. <laughs> like, And then I started dating Karen. But also it's like, you don't know the future. Like anything could change. I mean, I think that's one thing that's scary too, is to be like, what if... I think about this a lot. Like, what if one of us goes crazy and, like, has, like, a... Like, I don't know what to do in that situation. Sure. Did you ever watch Ally McBeal? No. Because <laughs> there is a is huge... That, you mean the movie The Town? <laughs> God, what if I was seriously, like, you need to watch more art by women and you should start with Ally McBeal. McBeal. Uh, I would be... That was... That would be such bad advice. That would not convince you of my why viewpoint. do i worry that ally mcbeal was made by a man it, it was and it's not that good and it does not hold up uh i rewatched all of it and like the year that i moved to la i spent a lot of time in my apartment re-watching ally mcbeal just Beal in it just I, and i'm a completionist so i watched the whole thing even though it got really bad but at a certain point the way they kill off this one character is they and i'm Spoiler alert for Allie McBeal, which you should not watch. If you're currently Beale yeah. in it, but skip there's, forward. There's this whole storyline where one of the characters becomes like a men's rights activist before we had that easy term for it. And oh, he wow. like joins like a men's group and becomes really like anti-feminist. And then they find out he has a brain tumor and then he dies. So and like the brain, like tumor brain tumor made him made him like that. We talk about this all the time. Brain tumors can change your sexuality. They can yeah. change. They can make you into children that's the most disturbing one yeah more practically um there are instances where women have uh, babies and they can become uh, disgusted by their husbands or something like that like things happen yeah. biochemically that we were a little bit no thank you yeah, no, that's a frightening yeah. thing i've also this one stuck with me sometimes when val's smell her pheromones did change when oh, she was yeah. pregnant and they changed after she had the baby and for me, she on the record. All, I always loved Val's smell. Smell dating is a thing, by the way. We've talked about. Like right, if you yeah. like someone's smell, that's probably a very good sign. Then she had the baby, or she got pregnant. She started smelling differently. Still loved it, but some men become repulsed by their, their wives', wives. new smell. So oh. it can go both ways. So this is really that sort of embarrassing physical. The gray matter yeah. of your brain can betray you in certain ways. So I you're also absolutely still, right. I do feel like you know that stuff is a factor, but you can also just like wear stronger deodorant. And also, <laughs> I mean, I kind of feel like maybe I'm 
being too maybe it's just me that works like this i think i know other people don't think about love in the same way i do but i really do feel like it's a choice in a lot of ways like i think that like you choose to allow yourself to love someone this whole idea that people have of like getting swept up in something and just like you don't choose who you fall in love with and i i think you do on some on on some some level level, i think you're i think you i think you choose and i think i think i i definitely choose other people maybe don't but i i do yeah i don't know if i agree with that that hasn't been my experience yeah i think my experience has been and again my experience everyone thinks they're a snowflake but i do think i think about this stuff differently than a lot of people which is another reason why i was like should i get married you know like well tell me everything i already know how i I feel (laughs) i understand what you're saying it's not the american standard romantic comedy yeah it's not fun what you're saying no no (laughs) and it's not like and i think that our idea of romance as being impulsive and careless i don't think that's romantic i think it's romantic to really like consider someone and be like this is a person who's good for me and who be a little bit more practical yeah like we didn't have any big scary fights at the beginning of our relationship there weren't big obstacles to us being together we were both ready we were both interested in each other like very early on we had conversations about like do you want kids do you want blah blah like we were on the same page about stuff like and we you know we work hard at being together but like i think think that that's also romantic i think it's you yeah. know like i'm with you i'm not I, in search I don't of, want the girl of that's danger like, or excitement let's, let's yeah let's go to south america on a whim yeah. and, and just craziness that i'm way more boring than that val val appeals to me in, mm-hmm. in way less yeah um scintillating ways um but i i do something that doesn't make sense with val is that i i re- and this was in my vow to her was i really don't love her for what she does i love her because i love what she does because it's her doing it so uh-huh. she can even do things that like if eh, we joke about it all the time if anyone else did <laughs> what she just did i would have found it annoying yeah so there really is this sort of beyond rational yeah. level i'm sure you have it for too. sure yeah i'm sure you have it too but i also have like oh man when i'm single like i realize that i'm going on gut a lot but I'm de- like, if there are red flags, like if there's a fight or something, or ugliness, uh-huh. or shaming, yeah. or selfishness, or pettiness, like it's just over. Like I'm just like, no, bye. Like I yeah. can't. Like I have a lot of deal breakers. So there is that sort of like list. But then once you're in, once you're in, you're we're yeah. in. If you really like someone, your deal breakers change for sure. Yes. Yeah. Now I I'm, and it wasn't, and I don't think that there's like some sort of like. I don't think compatibility is like this thing that you go into a relationship already having with each other. I think it's something that you build with each other. Yeah. That's, I think that's true too. Yeah. I also, I'm just so like, talk about anything could happen. Yeah. My love for Val and our relationship is like, I, I one of the mantras of it is I just want good for her. Mm-hmm. So if she wanted to leave, I would absolutely not want her to leave, and I would yeah. pr- do my best to talk. But you her wouldn't out of it. sabotage her if there was no. something better, some better life absolutely for her out not. there. Yeah, it's just like you have to be like, I want good for you. That's my role, yeah. and that's that's harder to follow through with than yeah. it is to say. But I feel that way, and there have been times in our relationship where she's clearly demonstrated that that she wants to leave you that she wants to leave. <laughs> i actually just said to yeah. her this week and i was like please don't have an affair i can't have that happen to me <laughs> twice but it was just like what it would look like i, I was like yeah. i can't be the guy that keeps having wives 
have affairs and leave. I was like, if it's going to end. I can't end, be some kind of permacuck. Yes. I don't want to be a permacuck. Do it another way. If you're going to do it, just be. But you know what? She could just be honest. I We are communicative in that way. But it's also because we feel so certain about one another. Is this yeah. gross? Are we gonna, Are we going to throw up? No. Talking about sweetness? I don't think so. I, I also liked, don't think it's that sweet to say I'm not going to cheat on you. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I guess I just yeah. meant that we can talk about yeah. anything like friends. Yeah. Like friends. Well, that was one of my big epiphanies. I was like, why is it that I can be so much more honest with my friends than I can with my partner? Like you just want to like break away and dish with your friends. And I always wanted a relationship where it's like you can talk about whatever it is whatever you're going it is, through yeah. in, in, in real time. I mean, I think part of the reason why it's easier to talk about that stuff with your friends in general is you're like... Uh, if I lose a friend, <laughs> it's a it's a big deal. But it is like I won't be judged by society for it. Right. But with him, I'm like I want to keep you around for a while, so I'm going to be careful about what I say. That's I don't want to like be a jerk. I don't want to like be careless with what See? I say. Okay, so you are yeah. benefiting from the institution. <laughs> if staying Am together is a, if yeah. staying together is a good thing, yeah. Then even bad pressure can be a uh, good yeah, thing. Yeah, I guess so. When I was religious, I used to be like, my wife was the only person I had had sex with. And I was like, that's good. Any, oh, anything, I know. Yeah. Anything, though, my thinking was anything that could help. Like, I was like, that was a bond that we shared. Mm-hmm. She had actually had sex with other people, but it was just like, yeah, it made it more special. Like, it made it more fairy tale yeah. I don't agree with this, by the way, but I was like, hey, I'll take it however I can get. I was 22, yeah. getting married. We're going to be together 50, 60 years, uh-huh. you're like, I'll take all the help I can get, even if it is some sort of perceived Walt Disney magic that she's the only person I had had sex with. Yeah. Of course, I, I, don't, I don't feel that way anymore. That's good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what if I did? <laughs> oh, God. I regret having sex with everybody I've had yeah, sex with. Yeah. Everyone since her has been a sin. And uh... <laughs> everyone since her. Yeah. <laughs> There's been no one since her. No, um, I mean, since your first wife. Oh, yeah. Yeah. God, no, those were sins. Those were terrible, <laughs> terrible sins. So you got married town hall style? Uh, we got married in our living room. Oh, wow. Yeah. With just immediate family. And then I had my best friend officiate because it was the only way to like invite her without also inviting a whole other tier of people. Cute. Yeah. Um, very smart. Yeah. Yeah. You are a planner. I am. <laughs> I am very much a planner. Are you a planner in your career? No. I mean, I I do like... In terms of like, I like, I really like when, uh, when like tour things line up where I can go from city to city and I can just do like no connections at the airport, like that yeah, kind sure. of thing. Like, yeah. and I, I'm very much like when I get to the airport, I go to the gate right away before I stop for getting any, getting any food. Oh, I just don't need make to know. Rookie mistake of, yeah. Yeah. Of like, don't buy a water before you go in through security. I've done that before. Oh, <laughs> what was I well, that's, yeah. It was a small airport. Yeah. But I am. I think like with my career, I've tried to be a little bit more like I I like to be very honest with myself about what I don't know. Like I didn't get into stand up because I had this vision of my life as a stand up comedian. It was like, I'm good at this. I'm going to see where it goes. And you, meant like, you were just funny or you felt- well, like I started doing stand like I started doing stand up. I took a class in college and then I started doing open mics and it was like. I didn't think I was pursuing my career when I was doing it. I was just like, I'm having fun. I'm good at this. This is going well. So the eventually time- I'm going to have to learn how to be a graphic designer or right, something. Right, like right. I just sort of, I did it until it was clear that I had a shot. Uh-huh. Also very practical. Yes. See, I was I'm very like that, practical about I'm that. I'm that way too. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I, I'm not, I, I, 
I'm I'm very practical about my career and also about relationships in the same way. Like I'm not a big I think a part of part in part because I'm afraid of being embarrassed. Yeah. Like because I don't want to be like I this is my dream and if this yeah. dream doesn't happen I didn't I'm tell not. Anyone yeah. I was going out for my driver's license. You really? I mean? Like you keep it yeah. to yourself. Then after you get it, you tell everyone. Yeah. yeah. I wish I, I if I were better at keeping a secret, I would probably tell people <laughs> less things that I'm up to. Maybe but... that was something I just wished I had done. <laughs> You but might have changed the story. Like in your with head, Valerie, yeah. as soon as I figured out that I was good at comedy, then I was like, then I was completely all in. Interesting. And I did have the delusion that I was going to be that you were going to be like a big famous one of the greats. Yeah. Like, immediately, I was like, and I believed it about other people too. And wow. I was right about a lot of the people that I believed it. it and I yeah. was wrong about some of the other people, but that was But mostly, you kind of forget about them. <laughs> they, 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 all, they all quit. Yeah. Or they didn't quit. I don't know. A lot of things can I'm, happen. I don't know why I'm still always shocked when someone quits. I still check. I just today on Instagram checked an old friend to see if he was still doing it. Yeah. And he was on like a certainly an amateur level, but it kind of made me happy. Yeah. I was like, oh, good. He's still, he's still finding it. That sounds condescending. It wasn't. I was like, that guy is, that I yeah. remember, I looked him up and he was doing a show. It's not like, how you feel about him. It's how you feel about your worldview. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose so. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. But I, when when did you start doing stand up? You started like, in college. My senior year of college, I took a stand up comedy class. At what college? Clown at UC college? Santa Cruz. <laughs> I mean, basically, Is and then I started. Uh, it was not at Clown College, but <laughs> I stayed at Santa Cruz like for an extra year while my boyfriend went to Clown College, and I would commute to San Francisco to see him and do open mics. He didn't really go to a. Clown he college. did. No. Yeah. What are the chances of a clown college riff with someone who's dating someone? <laughs> he went to real clown college? He went to, yeah, like the circus. Sketch s- idea. The circus center. Clown technical college. <laughs> it's clowns that learn it's how to It's just like do latex airport. balloons. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> or they'll send a yeah. clown to repair your air conditioning. <laughs> it's like I went to clown technical college. Yeah. I wear the clown outfit. It has nothing to do with what I'm going to do for yeah. your HVAC. But I'm, I am a but clown. But if I drop this AC, the big shoes, it won't actually hurt my feet. <laughs> They're very practical. Yeah. Very, very practical. Yeah. So you were dating someone that was going to clown college? Yeah. I also worked at circus camp for many years. You did? So I have a lot of like deep circus connections. For... You love the, the three rings? I guess. Uh, I mean, I was like the poetry teacher at circus camp. And when I went there, I didn't really like, I mean, I know how to walk on stilts because that's really easy. But like, I doubt, <laughs> uh, but most of the time I spent there was like, I would do like improv and I would do like dance classes and Is stuff. Is it easy to walk on stilts? It's, that's where the birds are. It's very easy Get out to walk of there. on stilts. It takes five minutes to learn how to walk on stilts. Yeah, but that's a five minute. I, I don't know if I'll ever have. Really? <laughs> I'm well, already you're so a father high. now. <laughs> I'm already so tall. I, I've never wanted to be taller. Yeah, that's not like a fantasy for you. I, show me a very tall person that also walks on stilts. Oh, then the, I mean, what a sight. <laughs> what a sight that would that's be. Ringling, Ringling Brothers material. So did you love the circus? Not really. It was just, it was this like camp that... Um, a lot of kids from the Bay Area went to called Camp Winter Rainbow. It was a circus and performing arts camp that was run by Wavy Gravy, who's like, oh, yeah, you, know, you know, Wavy. Wave Gravy. A lot of people don't. It's very, it's, uh, you, I was like, I started the sentence and I was like, he knows, he knows who Wavy, who Wavy Gravy, Gravy is. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And like Patch Adams would go there for two weeks a year. The real, the Patch. real Patch Adams. Wow. Um, and <laughs> it was a very like hippy dippy, like, like feelings place and, it was a feelings place yeah it was using the circus to explore inner reality it was it was honestly it was like it was a performing arts camp but it was also it was like very 
emotionally intense being there too it was like a utopian place when you're a camper and then like when you're an adult staff it's like so draining because you're creating that for people and it's yeah. very hands-on it's like christmas morning every morning <sighs> yeah 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 it's so, so much and work, you taught poetry that i taught doesn't... poetry yeah it was which was for the kids who like didn't want to take the other classes like no one wanted to be in poetry class and did like... you know wavy gravy and patch adams um, I, I mean, I only, was only there with Patch Adams one summer, but like I knew, I mean, I met Wavy a few times, oh, wow. you know, he would, he was around, he would drive around camp in a golf cart and he would do like morning reading and he would MC all the talent shows. There were like talent shows every night. It was, was he funny? Uh, yeah, he was also, you know, very old. Uh, yeah. but yeah, he was, he was funny. He, uh, he did a lot of characters. He wore a lot of costumes and stuff. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was like, that was like where I learned how to be funny. I think at, at, circus at camp. camp. Yeah. I mean like my, my dad's really funny and like, but, uh, but that was where I was like, oh, this is like currency. Yeah. Yeah. It's a skill that yeah. people value. Yeah. And w- was it like a sketch or something that you did? Cause you're teaching poetry, but you performed in one of the shows or yeah we would do like i mean when i was a camper there i would do like a bunch of different things and stuff but it was also it was just like yeah you like kids would like i would write i did some songwriting classes there and stuff and like camp it was so fun yeah camp anyway camp is the best fond memories of camp but yeah so i was like and absolutely by coincidence i started dating someone who then went to clown school and was he was not affiliated with the camp in any way (laughs) <laughs> i've heard clowning is very hard it is oh my god i lived with um when i moved to san francisco i lived with him and a few people he went to clown school with and they were all ripped really because you have to be in such good shape to like do Secret flips and rip. turns and but you they know. wear like these baggy clothes yeah but they're like jacked it's like we were saying at the beginning it's like you can't as a stand-up talk about how much money you make <laughs> As, you a can't, clown, as a clown, you can't talk ripped. about how, how ripped you are. <laughs> Although those barrel rolls, you can't be pudgy. I, there we were some pudgy people there. get a bunch there. of people in that car. There were pudgy people, but like <laughs> in the best shape of their lives too. Right. Like, like Farley pudgy. Yeah. But like, yeah, strong. in good, strong yeah. and like, you know, powerful. Right. Yeah. What, not to be too obvious, but what do you think drew you to try to be funny? Was there like dysfunction? Was high school hard or something? I don't know. I mean, I definitely am. I think for me, it was more like I'm the youngest. I always liked attention. Um, But also like it just made people like me. And there weren't a lot of other things about me that I feel like made people like me. Like I wasn't particularly nice. I wasn't particularly like I don't feel I know. I feel like I've been I've been a harsh person my entire life that I've always been trying to be nicer. But it's so unnatural. Like naturally, you just like to make mean jokes yeah it's honestly why i feel like i'm friends with anthony jesselnick is like he's the only person i can really be myself with because <laughs> he just it just doesn't make a dent yeah you know? that's so funny um but uh but no yeah I, I i don't know why i became funny but i remember like i had one of my like good friends in like third or fourth grade i one time made her laugh so hard that she peed and I've been just been chasing that dragon ever since. Oh my since. god! Yeah, that's like Seinfeld made milk come out his friend's nose. Oh really? You have that like moment where yeah, you're like, he goes, like, and I want to do this professionally. Uh, <laughs> you made someone pee their pants. Yeah, 
That's so funny. I had those moments too where kids would get like ill. Oh, yeah. Laughing. Oh, yeah. I'm not doing an impression of the Pete that was in New York. I'm trying to be that guy. Yeah. Who's just doing it for the pure thrill. Oh, yeah. Of the for lunch sure. Room. Oh, my God. And I just loved funny stuff. I loved Weird Al and like The Simpsons Me and stuff. Too. I was just Me like. Too. But then I think when I got older, I sort of, you know, went through puberty and became all emo and stuff and like really, really wrote a lot of really pretentious poetry and like really like got into my own pain and stuff um but i was still like making stuff that was funny while that was happening it, it was just like out. yeah you couldn't help it yeah and then when i became an adult and like i started honestly like thinking more about like well why don't i think of myself as a funny person as like my main thing cuz it's clearly my main thing and i realized part of it was internalized misogyny yeah. That I was like, oh, I just didn't imagine this for myself because I don't imagine women when I imagine that. Yeah. And when I watch things, I noticed myself like sort of subconsciously attributing all the funny stuff to the men involved instead right. of the women. And I was like, why is this happening? This well, that is- kind of goes to the Ali Wong thing. Yeah. Sorry, what were you going to say? Well, and then when I was at camp, too, I would watch the kids laugh really hard at something a male counselor did and then just like jokes that the female counselors would make would just go over their heads and right. it was like oh this stuff starts so early like dog whistles we, we yeah. couldn't hear the we couldn't exactly. hear the lady jokes yeah it's sad it's sad yeah but that's i so that i didn't want to interrupt especially as you were talking about misogyny <laughs> interrupt. but um that's why when i, I have a thought <laughs> hold on and i say what you're saying and everyone applauds um but when ali talks about being so successful mm-hmm. it's different than a man talking about being successful. Right, yeah. Like I had seen, the only other comedian I really saw talk about money and success and fame, frankly, was Dane Cook. Yeah. I saw, and I don't think it was on a special or anything. He was just kind of like talking about what it's like being famous and how it's easy for him to meet people because he's famous. None, none of it was really that gross or anything. Yeah. But I remember being like, that's interesting. Most people don't talk about it. But then Allie talking about being a millionaire yeah. for some reason was really powerful for me and I think for the audience. Yeah. You're not used to it. You know what I mean? You're not used to it. And it also, it feels honest in that way that you like watching. Right. You're like, you're showing me who you actually are. And you're like, it feels like you're getting a real look at someone's life. But it's also, don't you think, inspiring, especially to the women in the audience going like, yeah, there's somebody that made it happen. As opposed to Ray Romano being like, there's another white male that made it big in comedy Uh don't you think it's more i mean i think it's only to the extent that like you think being a millionaire is inspiring yeah i suppose (laughs) yeah yeah we do live in a society society where it's just like i think that's the thing the subtext of these conversations about money is like part of the reason why i feel okay talking about money and and being overpaid and stuff is i'm like i don't think that makes me valuable (laughs) i don't think that that means i've achieved the money isn't a thing that I've achieved. Yeah, but you're in a minority there. I know. You I know. have to say and that and before it's a hard you thing make your because other... it's like people don't hear it that way. Right. You um, might as well be on a Pac-Man board and being like, yeah, but I don't care about these points. <laughs> the points, I might be the high score yeah. in here, but I don't care. Do you have to pee or something? I have to pee really I bad. Knew it. I know. I'm sorry. I'll be right back. Oh, my God. I think it made me have to pee. <laughs> I also wanted to tell you, when you're talking about your goth phase, another sketch idea. <laughs> we have clown... Technical college, uh-huh. which I think is valid. Yeah. And then you were talking about goth. Marilyn Hansen. It's Hansen, but they're all goth. Uh-huh. Okay. I mean, it's not a good idea. I'm trying to think like what, uh, like, 
a sound that Marilyn Manson makes that and could go into mbop. Yeah. And it's not happening. No, like, we're in the same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Both of us are doing the same yeah. thing. We I might also, be talking and looking at each other, but we're both trying to go, sweet dreams are made of mbop. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. There's nothing. I don't know. The beautiful mbops. I can't Ugh. believe I knew two Marilyn Manson songs. Yeah. But what you're saying is beautiful because money isn't value. Mm-hmm. What does... I have a guess. I have to think that being creative gives you value. Expressing yourself gives you value. Just being sexy. That's the main <laughs> thing. Just... Pure sex appeal. It's funny that you say that, but Chris Thayer and I were talking about that. It's like the things, the choices that we have to be valuable. Yeah. One of them is make money, be a producer, and then Uh consume a lot. Um, And then one of them is sex, like being like a sex person. We were talking about like the Matthew McConaughey model. Take them, (laughs) take... Matthew McConaughey out, but like the guy that just lives by the beach in a trailer, but yeah. he fucks a lot. <laughs> like you'd still go like, he's still valuable. Don't get him uh-huh. wrong. He doesn't do anything. He doesn't do anything, but he but fucks he's... a lot. Yeah. Like that's still one of the ways that we go like, <laughs> that we okay. That like whether I'm living the life I want to live. Well, yeah. I think about yeah. like people that don't function highly in the way that our society values and yeah. the ways that they value money, sex, power, I guess is another Power's way to put it. Power's a big it. one. Yeah. But then there are, there are other ways to contribute that make you yeah. valuable. Well, and like, you know, giving back is like the thing that everyone says makes you feel the best. I don't know why it's so hard for us to just like shift our lives to focus on that. To understand it's very that. hard to. I know. I feel like I, I'm constantly trying to like, I don't know. It's it's like dragging my feet to like change my life to be more towards that, even though I know it's like. Right. Once I, when I make decisions that lead to me being like a more better generous person i like i feel better obviously and it's one of the and it's like exercising where i'm like i know i feel better when i exercise and i hate that i know that because now i have to do it but i I still don't i love that joke you had about because as we're by my elliptical yeah that i almost never use i like knowing that i have it though yeah if you ever like there's a type of panic that can only be relieved by exercise oh yeah like i like and you want to go for a walk but there's all these skunks out (laughs) Oh my god, I'm so yeah. scared of skunks. No, oh my god, you should be. I scream. I scream every time I see them. <laughs> well, that's not going to happen. No, it's that's not. It's the, thing. it's the worst thing to do when you, you see, do. yeah. You have to go, "Hello." Yeah. <laughs> you have to be very calm. I yeah, we saw one uh in the yard the other day. Uh I was like going between our house and the garage. I was getting something out of the garage and then as I opened the door to come back into the house, I saw a skunk and I slammed the door back closed. So I was stuck in the garage <laughs> and I had to like text my husband to be like, could you turn the light on in the house? Cause there's a skunk and I needed to go away. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, you can pick them up. They're like kitty cats. That's insane. <laughs> I've never done it. You can domesticate I'm not going to do that. Oh, yeah. Don't do it. Don't Skunks do it. as pets is a whole thing. It's only legal in a few states. There's a very active online community. I recommend checking out the Wikipedia page <laughs> for skunks as pets. That's all. We will. We will. <laughs> um, so valuable uh, millionaires. Valuable millionaires. Valuable as millionaires. Money doesn't make you valuable. I forgot what I was going to ask you right when you got back. You were talking about the elliptical machine for a second. Oh, right. Yes. You have that stand-up bit about how you work out for your brain. Yeah. You couldn't motivate yourself because you were diagnosed with ADD late. Yeah, like uh, I guess a year and a half ago. 
Who yeah. can remember? Yeah. <laughs> I know it was after Trump got elected because that was my breaking point. Oh, really? Yeah. So you went in for some analysis? Well, it was the type of thing. Like what happened was I, I had I love your Trump that... bed, by the way. Well, thank you very amazing. much. Um, I <sighs> Anyway, uh, <laughs> I that, you know, that whole thing just broke me. Uh and I did have this like sort of come to Jesus. I was like, I have to change my whole life. I have to focus on like helping the world and like doing activism and stuff like that. And every time I would like sit down to be like, all right, I would have like crazy resistance and anxiety around it. And like, I just couldn't get things done. And I was feeling terrible what were you about thinking myself. About doing? Just like doing some sort of organizing work or like looking into it even literally just like looking into what I can do. And I was talking about organizing something, but I didn't know what I was talking about. And I, you know, anyway, uh, when I did finally go in to get diagnosed, what the psychiatrist told me was he was like, you know, listen, you are clearly high functioning. Like you have figured out how to cope with this. Like you, but a lot of times what happens is like people will find a balance where they can deal with it and then something will throw that off and everything collapses. Interesting. And that's seems like what happened for you is like you tried to add this one extra thing onto your like system of coping with this and it broke everything down. Hmm. And um, yeah, so I, that's very interesting. I'm of course, like most things I'm like, what if that applies to me? Because I recently right. had a break and I was just like, what What was it? So the idea that too much stress can push you into a place of low functioning, is that sort of what happened? Or just that like I've designed my life around things that work with ADHD. Like stand-up works very well with it because you're writing in short spurts. You're getting a lot of stimulation and feedback. You don't Constantly, have to yeah. like sit down and write a big long thing alone. Like that's a lot harder to do than just to be like, I thought of a joke. I'm going to write the joke. I'm going to go on stage. I have clear right. deadlines and sh- it's short. It doesn't take a lot We're of basically time. basically just picking pumpkins. Yeah. And a lot of, <laughs> I think stand-up comedy attracts a lot of people with ADHD because it's something that we can actually do. Right. And because like people with ADHD sometimes like seek out extra stimulation that other people wouldn't be able to handle. Like, you know how people are always like, I could never do that. Right. Right. It's like, Whereas it's very calming to us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Knowing yeah. the rules, knowing the situation. And just, we're getting stimulated. Yeah. We're not going to get bored of this. Wow. And um, In like three seconds, yeah. you convinced me I have ADHD. <laughs> I do think that it's very common. For I also yeah. think that it's also like a beneficial thing because like one of the things about ADHD is it is it causes you to think about things in a not super linear way, which is really valuable for writing jokes. Yeah, yeah, of course. You make connections that don't make this sense and Marilyn then you Hansen figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, but you were benefiting from it and then you weren't. I was benefiting from it and then I attempted something that didn't make as much sense with ADHD the, and and I couldn't do it. Event. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so what I've learned now is to like, I mean, I think the biggest benefit of like actually getting diagnosed and learning more about it is I just stopped hating myself for not being able to magically change into a different person. Mm. And now like I do try and pursue 
things that I do think can help people that also work with what I'm already good at and capable of without right. trying to, as opposed to trying to force yourself as a, a being way. like all of a sudden I'm going to try and be like a freelance social worker or some shit. I don't know what I even thought I was going to do, but yeah, right. to be like, no, here's what I'm capable of doing. And I'm going to try and say yes to things that make sense. And did they put you on medication? Yeah, I, I I put myself on medication. Like, no, but they yeah. gave you a little cup. They didn't <laughs> yeah. tell you what was in it. They held me down. And they made you take it. Yeah, uh, I, I know what medicine is. <laughs> <laughs> I know what help is. They suggested that you take a medicine. Um. Well, he asked me if I wanted to try it, and I did. Um. Because I had also like taken it a few times, just because I'm Adderall? was a person in my twenties who and people would had that had had it. Yeah. And would be like we're working on our term papers. Do you want an Adderall? Yeah. And it always made me feel great. <laughs> like it always like worked. Right. Um, but so yeah, I did. I am on Adderall now. I'm on like a pretty low dose and I take it every day mm-hmm. and it's great. I fucking love it. <laughs> I'm glad it helped. Yeah. And did it help? Uh, I guess the, the obvious thing is thinking about things in an ADD way. Are you still able to do that when that's helpful? Yeah. Looking at things in weird ways. Yeah, I think so. Like it hasn't, I, I still struggle with some of the same stuff. I just struggle with it in a different way where I'm like, okay, like I have a a bunch of tools to deal with it now. And some of that's the medication. Some of that's just thinking about how I actually work and like being more thoughtful about like, okay, when I have to do something that I know is going to be a little bit trickier, I set myself up to succeed more. I'll be like, I know that I work better in this environment with these sort of circumstances. And I try and set that up for myself right. and don't tell myself I'm going to be able to succeed in a way that I never have before. Yeah. That sounds very healthy. I think it is. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. You mentioned feminism. I'm whenever I, uh, Val is a wonderful feminist. I consider myself a feminist, but I'm not a very informed feminist. Mm-hmm. And I always want to give people who are passionate about that an opportunity to maybe share some of the misconceptions or things that they wish people knew about feminism, just for mm-hmm. the multitude of people that are listening that might not know what people mean when they say they're when feminists. When they say feminist? Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest misconception is that there's like one definition that like narrowly defines it. Feminism is just sort of like the, the belief that uh, all people should have like should be given opportunities and consideration and that there are forces at work that make things not equal as they are. Right. Yeah. As you experienced even in camp. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which you're right. I mean, I immediately agree with that. There are all these biases and and conditions that we're living under that we don't even recognize. Living with Val, being with Val helps me recognize that You see things things, that you don't have to deal with that she does. Yeah, absolutely. But I also see biases in the way that even I speak that she's like, I don't know if you know this, but when you say that, it sounds like this. I had a yeah. joke. Uh, Chris Thayer actually helped me realize this was uh, about Val has big boobs. And the joke is that you can't cover big boobs. Like you can't hide them. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I go, you can hide a big old dick. It's a secret. Like, but boobs, like you're just covering them. Everyone can still see the shape and the size of them. And that's fine as an observation. But I, I kept saying, uh, um, you can't, my wife has big boobs, which is weird because you can't hide them. And he was like, you might just want to say, I feel bad for her because she can't hide them. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Because it was just like this weird objectification that is just sort of what I'm 
as someone who's obviously doing work to understand and, and, and be woke and all these things, there's still these latent things where I'm like, yeah, boobs aren't, they're, they're attached to a person. Like we and shouldn't also, talk yeah, about them. When you, way. when you picture someone hearing that joke, are you picturing a man? Yeah, that's interesting. Cause I, like I'm, if there's a woman in the audience who's got giant tits, right. She might be like, everyone around me is going to start looking at my tits during this joke. I don't think that's the experience <laughs> in my audience. I don't I know if you've ever come on. You should come on the road. And I have like, a hard time not looking. When you're on stage and there's a woman in the audience with giant tits, I, I, as a course. comedian, I have a very hard time not looking. She's now the headliner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you mean Jiggles? Yeah. Okay. Oh, God. Don't call her Jiggles, Pete. We were just talking about anyway, this. Anyway, feminism. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... I actually think that joke, I, I can't speak to who it's for. Yeah. I've had women with big boobs, because I'm looking at them too, Yeah, uh, during that joke, seem to really love it. Yeah, It's that's the good. idea that, like, I'd like to think it's me stepping into their reality. Yeah. As, dicks are secrets. Boobs, that's actually where the joke started, was in junior high, the girls that got breasts, okay. everyone can tell. Everyone can but tell. maybe even more so, the girls that aren't getting breasts, everyone can tell. There's no yeah. equivalent of flat shaming for dicks, except locker rooms and stuff. But in my experience, the way that I was schooled, there was never a situation where I had to be naked in front of other kids. I, that yeah. was always something that I saw on TV uh, you know, like the wonder years, like I'd be nervous about that. That was never my experience that we had to change in front of other people. Yeah, that's a total like TV myth. Yeah, but... maybe unless you're on a, a team, like I didn't play sports. Like maybe if you're on a team, you shower together and stuff. But it's 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 not avoidable at all for women, even if you yeah. wear clown clothing. <laughs> when I was when I was in middle school, I was like pretty flat, and one of my friends had really big boobs, and I. At the time, I felt like insanely jealous of her and really like convinced that she had it better than me. And then as I like grew up, I realized she had it so much worse. Yeah. Like girls who got boobs earlier, who had really big boobs. That is like that is a predicament. Yeah. That is like a hazard. It's a pickle. It's it's an awful thing to happen to like a young woman. And I think... That was like a big thing for me to learn when I was like getting older. And they should sort of explore that nicely, I thought, on Big Mouth. Yeah, that was the first time I've seen someone sort of tackle it in the way. They really made a lot of good jokes about like that new girl. And it's like, she's not new. She's not new. She's been coming to the school since (laughs) kindergarten, but then she got boobs. That's that's sort of the spirit of my joke is no one needs to know the size of your dick in junior high. Thank God. But boobs, different story. Yeah. And you're right. It's kind of a lose lose. It's it's hard to win that situation. Yeah, I used to have a joke in my act where I talked about like gaining weight and like it making my boobs get bigger, and I would always stop and just be like, "You can take a quick look. I brought it up," and then just like move on because I was like, it was one of those things where I was like, "Oh, oh that's I know I have I to didn't do know this." You were doing the bit. I'm like, what? "Oh yeah." <laughs> <laughs> oh, you yeah. thought I was saying that to no, you? I mean, go ahead. <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't know what you were doing. Yeah. But yes. No, that's funny. Yeah, you have to talk about it. Um. So anyway, feminism. Anyway, feminism. <laughs> but that's an interesting. Even your question, like when I write a joke, who's laughing? Am I picturing a man laughing? Well, who are you picturing telling the joke to? I feel yeah. like that's the interesting thing about what we do is like for us, at least. I mean, I don't think what we do is interesting to other people. It shouldn't be. But uh, <laughs> for when I think about like 
when you do your jokes over and over again, like what we're doing is pretty self-centered, but the fact that you're telling it to groups of people over and over again, we're really learning about them Hmm. in telling them because of like how they react to certain things. It tells you like, Oh, they're hearing this in a totally different way than I thought. Like that they laugh at different places. It tells you about the crowds. I think that that's like, for sure. Very interesting and confusing to think about sometimes. Well, Chris Thayer and I, he was helping me with this new special that I just taped. And I was like, but it killed at the comedy store. And I'm not saying the comedy store is a bad place, but it's a different swath it's a different, yeah. of people. I have, if I have a line that's a little bit, I have that joke where I go, you can hide a big old dick. They laughed way more at the comedy store. And I love the comedy uh-huh. store than they would even when I was taping my special, just because my audience tends to be a little bit more privy to these types of conversations. Yeah. So you don't have that like devil may care uh, comedy club vibe as much not always yeah. but that that is interesting um you're learning about them and i'm going to start trying to consider who i'm picturing laughing at a joke or who i'm because yeah the, this is so there's stupid. also stuff where you're just like oh i didn't even think about what if there is someone in the audience who is missing a hand. Right. I there's things like that where when you're telling jokes where right. you're like, "Oh my god, I'm such an asshole that well, I don't think about that." This always comes up, but with sexual assault, it's like when you look at the statistics, oh yeah. and then you look at 300 people. You should assume that one 50 third, of 50, them, 50, yeah, yeah. yeah. A third of them yeah. have been assaulted in some yeah. way. That it, it's tricky. Obviously, I'm I don't make jokes about sexual assault. Uh, eating disorders, all these types of things that are, are too touchy. When you start getting into like, it's almost like any joke, there's a way to go, well, somebody is going to be offended by that. I suppose that's the other side of that yeah. spectrum. But then I also think I'm like, if it's someone who is offended because they're like currently in power and whatever I'm saying is challenging that power, I don't give a fuck if they're offended. Yeah, that's That's, fine. you know, yeah. which is not to be like, I'm not rage against punching the machine, up. but like. Yeah, punching up. But yeah. I think that's also why like self-deprecating humor can be pretty popular is because you're like, it's just me, you know, I'm I the think only you're one right. who, yeah. I think you're right. I, I notice that a lot in stand-up that there's a lot of people just selling back the values that the crowd already has. Yeah. It's, it bums me out a little bit because it is oh, it like, bums me out too. yeah, even, I mean, I talked about this recently in an interview, but like, uh, one time I was prepping a late night set and I had a joke in my act about gaining weight and there was nothing in the joke that m- communicated in any way that I thought that was a bad thing. Mm-hmm. And the note I got back was, we don't want self-deprecating jokes from women right now. That's so funny. Which I was like, I didn't, I didn't say it was yeah. deprecating. You're deprecating. <laughs> I literally said the fact that I gained weight and didn't notice. Right. That was all... It was. And it right. was it's so interesting where you're like, oh, sometimes you don't even realize right. that you're like it's interesting. Like I think a lot of times my jokes get called self deprecating when I'm like, I think I'm awesome. I'm just telling you the facts of who I am. You're right. just judging me for it. Right. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. So I try I try and be more explicit now. Like I used to sort of play into that because I was like, if this helps you get on board with the other things I'm saying, I'll go along with it as if I care about right. this shit. Right. But I've st- tried to stop doing that and be a little bit more like very explicitly like i am beautiful now let's talk about why i'm not going to the gym you know what i mean like it's not about sorry it's okay uh it's 
There's a couple of people that know that my phone's always on do not disturb and they call me twice. <laughs> oh, does that trigger it? If someone calls you twice in a row, it, it rings. Yeah. It's crazy how much technology we use to uh, get away from our constant need to look at it. And then we just always figure out ways figure out around, around it. it. Yeah. yeah. Just call him twice. He's yeah. a twice call guy. Yeah. Don't, don't do it. There's only three people. And I always just want to be like. You're, it feels invasive. <laughs> yeah. I'm just really feeling for you that you just received a phone call. That's really rough. On a Sunday? You mean because it's just Sunday? Just in general. And, oh, just, my God. What a nightmare. You realize I have to call that person back? Oh, God. That's actually kind of what my... Uh, you use the word break. I've had this break recently, and I was like, an email or a phone call or a text just suddenly became too much. That's, that's how yeah. my too stressed manifests is like a simple email... I am like, trying I be so hard right not to diagnose you right now, but you totally have ADHD. Oh, really? <laughs> like, I don't know. That just seems like the reaction. Well, that's that what was, that's what yeah. uh, was interesting when you said that. I was like, why would a like I did too many things at once, so I had like a I was way too stressed. Yeah, and now I find that I can't even do simple tasks. Yeah. So it could be that. I don't want to like badly misquote the like way it was explained to me, but there is something about like people's brains who have ADHD where like the act of attempting to start a t- a task that you're not interested in is like blood leaves the part of your brain that lets you do that if you have ADHD. Oh, wow. It's not just like hard. It's like harder than anything else you could try. That's so funny. I Again, I, someone be a doctor and correct yeah, me, but help us. don't at me. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, because after the, my deadline, my book deadline's tomorrow and Val oh, was shit. like, it's okay. Um, it was actually 10 days ago, but they gave me 10 extra days because he's like, I won't be able to read it for 10 days. And you're like, and don't tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, I haven't really been able to work on it directly for 10 yeah. days because I've just burned out too hard and the thought of doing it. So I said to Val, I was like, after this, we have something tonight. But I was like, between this and that, I was going to try and do these final tweaks. Yeah. And I just like really can't bring myself to do it. And that's yeah. not like me. Yeah, I'm not. I normally don't struggle with that at all. It's hard, but it be it came from a like a it being I, I a chore. A tr- well, I had a traumatic level of stress. Like, there was just too many things, and since then, I was actually sitting right where Katie is, and I had this moment where it just felt like a handful of sticks snapped, and I was just like, "Oh, I'm broken now," and I've yeah. been waiting to be back, and it just hasn't happened. It's yet. really hard because it also it's like because of w- what we do, we place a lot of value on like output Mm -hmm. getting things done and being a creative person and when we fail to get things done like that it's hard on our sense of self at least for me it is for sure yeah and i i think it's it's hard to who am i if i'm not the guy that can like get that can finish this thing and like oh fuck i will feel so good if i finish this yeah you're speaking right to my brain right now. That's exactly how I feel. I will love myself so much if I finish this. It's oh, hard. God. But also it is, it's, you're valuable even if you don't do that. Thank you, Emily. <laughs> the new album, Pasta, <laughs> available now. I just listened to it. It's great. Oh, thank you. How did you go about recording it? Did you tell people it was an album recording? 
Uh, yeah, yeah. It was an album recording. We did it in Portland because um, it's on Kill Rock Stars, and that's where they are. And so they did a lot of work to like I did set mine it up. In Portland. It. What? I did, oh yeah, I did my special. In I mean, it's great. It's great. Yeah. And I, yeah, I'm happy with how it came out. I had like taken a time off from TV writing to like tour for like, I work on Barry. And so it was like, I did season one and I was like, this is the first time I've worked on a show where I feel very confident there's going to be another season of it. So (laughs) I'm not going to immediately take the next job that comes along. So I was like, I can finally like just focus on stand up for a while. And it ended up being a full year between when season one writers wrapped and season two started working on it. Oh, wow. And so I just toured that whole time and then recorded that at the end of it. So Where? it was like, um, I, I started, I did the Melbourne, the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. Uh-huh. I did that for like a couple weeks and I opened for Jesselnick for a few weekends. And then I opened for Nick Thune when we did like a t- driving tour of like the Southwest and the Midwest. And then Fun. I just did a bunch of like clubs and colleges. After Where that. did you tape it? In Portland at the Curious Comedy Theater. Uh-huh. Yeah, which was cool. It was really uh i was i i think it went well i'm proud of it no it's great i i loved it we were dying stuck in second friends (laughs) (laughs) it's so good you can listen to it on spotify i just i just pulled it up on spotify i think half of it's on spotify it's an abridged it's the abridged version i think there are like maybe even 10 tracks that are not on spotify so you should buy it on itunes you don't have to but other people should (laughs) yeah you're like uh Yeah. Maybe they'll eventually release the whole thing on Spotify, but I'm not sure. Well, you can get a taste yeah. for it on There's Spotify. A, yeah. Get a little taste. See if you like it's it. It's so funny. Thank you very much. I was much. playing it out loud and Val and I, Val was also laughing. And that's, I don't want to say that's rare, but I mean like, I just sort of, <laughs> I sort of threw it on But you're thinking, like a guy who likes the town and she's like. <laughs> there will be blood. And what are the other movies? I've sort of changed. I haven't is watched she, those movies in a long time. Is she sick of stand up? No, Val loves it. Oh, that's nice. But I don't push it. Yeah, it's that's mostly good. when I say that it's like I have a monthly Largo show and she comes to that and we love it. Oh, good. And by that I mean she's hanging out in the green room. She's talking to Flanny. She's definitely she, not watching you. No, <laughs> yeah. she, you know no, what's yeah. funny? She's, she yeah. is. Yeah. I mean, obviously you're yeah. joking, but she loves watching me, which is really, really that's nice, nice for me. Yeah. <laughs> she cares. In fact, when I went to Portland to tape my special, she couldn't come because of the baby, and that was that was a mild bummer. Oh, like yeah. I sort of felt sad that she wasn't there. She knows this. I, obviously, I understand, but it's more fun doing it. Yeah. Val is there. What we do is so lonely. I know. Luckily, Thayer was there, Chris Thayer. Oh, so yeah. he comes He's and the tours best. with me. And, he, and so he really was sort of my work husband. <laughs> well, uh, we always um, kind of close. I, I don't know if you know this. We talk about the meaning of life. I don't oh, yeah. know how deep you feel like getting. <laughs> but what do you. Um, what do you think is going on here? <laughs> um, I think when we die, we're gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, th- I do think that we're supposed to be nice to each other, but I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Uh, There's like an intrinsic goodness that we can lean towards in, our, in ourselves? I don't know if it's intrinsic. I think there are a lot of people who don't have it. But I think that like it makes more sense that if you're one of the people who sees the value in being nice to others, you have to do it extra hard because there are a lot of people who don't. Right. Um, and the world is better when we are, when the people who see the value in it work harder at it because there's like other stuff that we have to work against. Like good guys and bad guys. Yeah. yeah. Or just like... Be a good guy. Neurotypical people and sociopathic people. I sure. don't even know if that's even a real thing. Yeah. Sociopathy is like a questionable... I don't know. Um, but yeah, I definitely think there are people... I mean, we have like... 
a president right now who just actually doesn't care about being a good person. And there are a lot of people who are like empowered by that right now. And it stresses me out super hard, but right. It sort of gives us all permission to also behave poorly. Yes. For me, it feels like the opposite of permission. It's like, I I felt I I had permission under Obama because I was like, everything's fine. Things are going to be good. We just vote and then we're done. And now it's like, oh no, things are actually ending like soon. Right, right, right. Do we need to? Right now, actually. (laughs) Yeah. Things are, there's an oncoming, that plane is coming for us. (laughs) I think that's a helicopter. Yeah. Okay. And not to be a bummer, but there's a hospital. So it's usually oh, somewhere in the hospital. people being airlifted in. But that's good. Yeah, that's They're good. Getting They're the getting treatment the, they the need. health care that yes, they need. Yes, exactly. They're being diagnosed with ADHD. Yeah. <laughs> that is how it went for me. <laughs> I got airlifted out of the fetal position in my living and room. And you were in there going, like, look at the flip, 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 flip. <laughs> Emily, focus. <laughs> um, well, okay, so dead over. Dead over. Neuronormative. <laughs> And sociopathic. Um, and, and nobody has an answer for this, but what is the story you tell yourself when it comes to like consciousness and life existing? It's just sort of a cosmic mistake. Uh, I don't want to. Why? Yeah, why I that seems leading that I said no, mistake, uh, cosmic which mistake. is like a random thing. Yeah. It, to me, I think it's random, but based on like the information that we have, I try not to like who knows we might I, I just feel like there's so much we don't know we know like a really dangerous amount which is like enough to put us above animals but right. like not enough to actually understand what's going on yeah it's really it's frustrating but i think it's also like we have this sort of like uh really basic drive to like feel like we know stuff because certainty is really like calming it actually produces like an emotional response to feel certain about something and Mm -hmm. like you can feel certainty even if you don't have the facts to support it Mm -hmm. and i think that like it's really uncomfortable to not have answers to things so i have to like that's one of those things where i have to sort of like against my nature remind myself that it's okay to not have answers to certain questions Mm. that's great I, i i always remember pen gillette it sounds like you're an atheist yeah. yeah. Agnostic. Yeah. Agnostic. Yeah. But he, he always said infinite possibilities. Like there's so much we don't know. Yeah. So it could be a billion million things. It could be a million billion. Yeah. Right. And he's just like, I'm just saying the evidence suggests that this is it. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. The evidence suggests that this is it. <laughs> um, which makes it more important to be good, I think. Yeah. If this is all there is, this is all there is. Yeah. So make it good. Make it good. Make it good for each other. Yeah. That was one when I dabbled in atheism, that was actually a very beautiful thing was the idea that like if there isn't someone else, and I don't necessarily believe in someone else pushing, guiding things, Mm -hmm. but if there isn't, um, then it's us that's left to push and guide things towards the direction of completeness and goodness. And that's that, and that's very empowering as opposed to the idea like you after Obama being like someone else has it. Yeah. We're sort of living in a spiritual <laughs> uh, yeah. time where it's like we have to do it ourselves. I also think about a lot like when um, I was living in Santa Cruz, I was living with my friend um, and in the middle of the night, we heard this woman being attacked in mm. the alley behind our house. And my instinct in that moment was to like keep sleeping to just like ignore it and go back to sleep. 
And my friend who I was living with was like, we need to get up. We need to see what's going on. Like something bad is happening. Let's go check it out and see what we can do to help. Mm. And we like went outside. We heard like she said, she, you know, my friend was like, we're going to like, what are you doing to her? And everyone else in the neighborhood was like, shut up, shut up. And my friend was like, what's going on? And the woman was like, she's, he's attacking me. And my friend was like, we're going to call the police to like leave her alone. And we couldn't see what was going on. And it was one of those things where like in that moment, I was like, that's her instinct Mm. and she's always like that like if someone if she sees someone in an accident she rushes toward them Mm. and she and my instinct is to bystand and i'm i i think there's something neurological about that i think there's something about how she's wired and how i'm wired i don't think that that's something that she was taught by her parents i think that's just like how her body she's one of those people who like in stressful situations like time slows down for her she gets calm she like She's mm. she's a nurse. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, I think I'm like, I'm so grateful for her and people like her that I'm like, I want to try and be like that. I know yeah. there's a limit to how much I can be. But when I'm faced with a situation, I stop and I think like, what would her reaction be mm. to this? Because she inspired you. Yeah. 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 That yeah. story inspires me. It, it is. It is a lot of our instincts to go back, to, especially in New York. <laughs> Like there's crazy shit happening and you don't know, are yeah. both people crazy? Like it's easy to tell yourself a story where you're like, Bill Burr had a great bit where he's like, if I step in, I'm just doubling the work for the paramedics. Right. Well, that was the thing in the moment. I was like, should we go over there? And she was like, no, he might have a gun. We need to stay here on the side of the fence. Right. But, but what still. we can do is we can say we're going to call the police. That's like, great. And you did? We did. Yeah. Hmm. I don't think they ever came. But who knows what happened? It's actually a very sad story, maybe. That's, but, yeah, that story's uh, a bummer. But it, but it, 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 I also like, I did this uh, podcast in Portland recently where they had like, they were interviewing this guy who wrote the book about that guy, Derek Black, who used to be a white supremacist. And he went to college and got deprogrammed, basically. He was like a big time white supremacist. His dad is like a very famous white nationalist. Hmm. And he went to college and like a lot of like very patient Jewish people he went to school with invited him to Shabbat dinner every week and just talked him out of his white supremacy. Wow. And that's some good white, which is like one of those things where you think like, that's not a fucking thing. Yeah. yeah. That's some good. Yeah. Uh, the fish was so good. <laughs> just start with latkes. That's a lot easier. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> it'll melt away your backwards ideology. That's those are good pastries. Yeah. But uh, he's, he was saying he, he said something. He told me he was interviewing one of the people about who was like talking to him about it and like how they stuck with it and the thing that they said to him was my job is not to move the boulder my job is to push the boulder Hmm. and i try and think about that when i feel hopeless about like the results of trying to be a good person Hmm. it's like if i i can live with myself if i'm pushing the boulder even if the boulder doesn't move right it, that, it's your job to just push. That's beautiful. Yeah. Isn't that I nice? That. Yeah. I like that a lot. I think about it a lot. No, that's very helpful. But ask me in a year. Maybe I'll be a completely different person. My <laughs> like, job is to blow up the boulder. Yeah. Oh, Emily, what happened? Um, it's not efficient for people to push a boulder. We have machines. <laughs> we should be working with a series of pulleys and levers to mm-hmm. like, pick up the boulder. That's what we should There are make. books about moving boulders. <laughs> and to just try and push it is arrogance in the highest degree. <laughs> that's true. Might be true. Um, and what about, because that did get heavy, especially with that uh, story. The cop story. Um, we like to close by ending with the hardest time you've laughed uh-huh. in your life, yes. or maybe just recently. It doesn't matter. Um, 
Okay, the hardest time I've ever laughed. Mm-hmm. I remember this very distinctly because it was when I lived in New York and I was working as a the warm-up for Totally Biased. Mm-hmm. We shot that show in the New Yorker Hotel. Uh, and there was like a month when we started seeing this um, poster for this guy. <laughs> Brazzo the Silent Gazer. Have you heard of this guy? <laughs> oh, I know Brazzo. You know Brazzo? Wait, I saw postcards for him out here. Oh yeah, he travels. He kind of looks like Fabio. He he's like yeah he he's got he's like a long haired yes. Serbian man with very kind eyes. Croatian. He's Croatian. Yeah, who will gaze at you? Yeah, and we were like, what the fuck is this? He gazes at you. And I was like, I gotta go. <laughs> you went? What am I not gonna go? And me and my friend Avery, uh, who I met at circus camp, we went. It was $8. And they did it every hour for like 10 hours a day. And they just, people would just pay money, go in, and then they would come out and they would do it again, over and over again. And we, so we went in and like, it's just in this like ballroom. And it started with like this woman on microphone saying like he changed my life blah 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 and then they show a video of him like walking in a meadow and riding a horse and like someone playing a like playing the a recorder pamphlet. it's <laughs> so crazy and then there's like another 10 minutes of just like someone playing pan flute in the room <laughs> while you're waiting for him to come out and he so what he does is he comes out and he just looks at you he doesn't speak he hasn't spoken publicly in years (laughs) and people think that this like heals them and so we're like it was already funny but then when he came out and they were playing the pan flute music and then it stopped he just stood on stage all dressed in white linen and just looked out at the crowd for 10 solid minutes no sound like no nothing and i think it was maybe like 15 seconds into that that he and i both started cracking up like Avery you and, and the I, person that came me, no yeah me and my yeah. friend just started like the worst church, church laughter because always the best answer was, church it, yeah it yeah. was first of all the most ridiculous situation in the world <laughs> there are people who paid money for a guy to just look at them that's actually his job <laughs> he's a with the most buildup you've ever seen in your life and then it was dead silent while he's just looking at everyone in the room and we were just it was one of those things where like the worst church giggles you've ever had in your life yes. and then i had to at one point i had to like i was like okay i'm just not gonna look at avery because is- it's gonna set me off yeah, so of so hard and so i like we, he and I both sort of silently agreed to not look at each other. And so I was like looking straight ahead. And then out of the corner of my eye, I just saw Avery's elbow yes. shaking up and down. That's all you need. And I glanced over and he's like losing it. And then I just, I started laughing so hard that I had to pretend I was sobbing so that people around me would not oh, think I was making fun of them. I, I pretended I was like having, a, I, everyone was standing up. I sat down. I pretended I was having like a very emotional reaction to it. And I like tried to cram that, my entire fist into my mouth. Oh and, like, my God. And then as soon as he left the stage, they started passing the mic around for people to talk about what just happened to them. And I was like, we have got to get the fuck out of here now. And so as soon as we could, as soon as it ended, we just started like 
we got up to leave everyone was like <laughs> rushing to leave and this guy tapped me on the shoulder and was like excuse me um were you laughing or crying and i was like ah, a little bit of both and then avery and i literally we ran out of the building and i we didn't stop running for three blocks oh because we just God. had so much pent-up energy of like what the fuck was that what tone was he asking you by the way was it like it wasn't accusatory but it, it was it was one of those things like hey friend uh it felt like i was it was it was like your cool teacher trying to be like what's hey. really going on at home yeah you know like yeah. Hilarious. Uh, but yeah, that's like Val and I gazer. got went to um, what is it? Swan, Black Swan, no. Black Swan with Natalie Portman. No, yeah, we went to see the play Black Swan. <laughs> no. Swan Lake. Swan Lake. Oh yeah. And five minutes in, we were in the second row. Oh yeah. And we just started laughing, and I was trying. I know I didn't think of the weeping thing. That's brilliant. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's hard to pull off, but, but if I would, you can. But I'd see her shoulder. I'd feel it because we were next to oh, each other. Yeah. I was just like, this and is... I was like, I'm dead. I'm dead. And we left it in intermission. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I like. I always think it's a good idea to go to events like that to be like, what are these weirdos up to? Sure. And then I, I have to leave because I giggle too much. Yeah. Like I went to one of those... Have you heard of this, uh, this thing called One Taste? No. It's like a... Uh, this it's a it's a fingering cult it's like a sex cult it's really? like uh it's like this like sort of like self-help wellness thing but it's about like fingering yoni it's, massage yeah that's what it is and i went to an event there uh to be like what the fuck you know like just because i knew it was happening and it was like i had to leave because i was giggling too much <laughs> and i wanted to stay and i couldn't oh my god um gazer accuracy yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh god please look him up it's b-r-a-c-o oh i know what's funny is I'm like i'm telling to the people listening oh, b-r-a-z-o c-o oh, i'm but gonna have him on the brazo. Brazo. i saw he does have kind eyes he does have kind i eyes. saw a poster for him in a juice shop and the difference between you and me is i'm like a jew shop a jew shop an h&r block <laughs> <laughs> no, a juice shop. Oh, okay. And I was like, maybe looking at him would be good. <laughs> that's, the, that's, the, that's the difference You're between the other you and people me. there. Yeah, people had brought. I mean, I feel bad because it was like people had brought pictures of their loved ones that they were like holding up for him to look at. It was like, yeah, cle- people were clearly having like an intense experience, a different experience. But also, come the fuck on. Yeah, sure. There's, but there is a there's a benefit to just looking at anybody. Submitting yourself to anything you think is going to help you has the effect of being like, okay, I'm taking care of myself in this moment. Sure. I was also just going to say, like, completely demystified making eye, prolonged eye contact with anybody yeah. is like a good thing. <laughs> Can release some positive. But feelings. here's the thing: you aren't making prolonged eye contact with him because he has to. He has to it's look a, at every hello, person hello, in the room. Hello, 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 hello. Brazo, 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 brazo. That's what he's thinking. Brazo, 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 brazo. Is that woman crying? Brazo. Oh no, that's a laugh. Brazo. <laughs> well, did you ever watch? Did you ever watch Tim Robinson's uh, character special on Netflix? Uh, I don't know. It's the funniest thing I've ever seen. But he has this. He, there's a sketch in it about these like corporate performers called the Pointer Brothers. 
And they're, the oh, whole I thing is they're like, we, pro- we will point at every single person in this room. <laughs> that's their performance. <laughs> and I was like, that's Brazzo. That's all he that's does. That's what Brazzo does for eight bucks a <laughs> Only head. like with less, no, like lower impact. <laughs> Brazzo? He's not as aggressive as a point. No, no. He's a gentle gaze. <laughs> a gentle, it's just like slowly scanning. What if like you go every... again and I'm there in white linen? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just, and I'm just ready to it. stare, just ready to love it. I yeah, I hesitate to even bring it up because you are fully gonna just go. You're gonna be I'm one gonna of those go. people who just walks out and then gets right back. Let's go. <laughs> I'll do six. if it's worth eight bucks. It's worth sixteen. <laughs> I'll do it twice. Um, I probably would have gone back if I thought that I could stop laughing. Oh my god! And you know what sucks about those situations is the laugh that you would have in the situation that you're not supposed to laugh. You can't have it once you leave. No. Like once you leave, it's, it doesn't feel as good to be like, yeah. <laughs> it needs to be in the pressure cooker of don't laugh at Brazzo. Yes. But it was also part of it was just like part of it was the church giggles like we're not supposed to laugh. But part of it was we went to find out what it was. And the answer we got was so stupid. Yes. It, it was, was the, you it didn't was, have to go. Yeah. You could have known. The only surprise was the video. Yeah. He can ride a horse. That was a wild horse, and then he stared at it. <laughs> yeah, it was like you are my horse. But <laughs> he also they make no, wisely they make zero promises about what his gaze does. Yeah, you can't be promissory about yeah, a gaze. Yeah, it would be like, look, if something happens, I'm glad for you, but don't try to sue Bratzo. <laughs> but don't say that. <laughs> so you have to sign something. Also, the fact that he doesn't speak in public makes me think he has a really stupid voice. <laughs> Oh my, it's like when you find out Abraham Lincoln had like a high, annoying voice. Did he? Yeah. There's, there's like uh, newspaper articles about how annoying it is to listen to him speak. Oh my God. Four score and seven years ago. No, really? Oh, shut up. <laughs> Just gaze at us. Yeah. Isn't that fun? I wish yeah. Daniel Day Lewis had made that choice to oh, be super yeah. accurate. I'm like, I think Got me what, if, what if he tried to and they were like, it's already annoying enough that you're doing this method thing. We can't <laughs> pile on another element to it. <laughs> Every line he did was ADR. They made him come back in and do it normal. Normal. Uh, Emily, what is, the album's called Pasta. It's called Pasta. We're going to listen to it. We're going to buy it on yeah. iTunes. And um, thank you so much. Thank you're you so, so much funny. For having me. What a delightful guest you were. What a delightful podcast to be on. Thank you. And we have the guests say the catchphrase. You feel I know the catchphrase. Uh-huh. Oh, please keep it crispy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, loved it.